This is the Bench Force with your host, Cody Foxley and Cage Lang. Brought to you by 881 The Bird, your music central. Welcome to the Benchwarmers here on 88 Won the Berg. Very glad to have you all in here with us. My name's Cadrill, and I'm joined here by my wonderful co-host. Why don't you introduce yourself to the rest of Ellensburg? What's going on, everybody? You already know who it is. It's your boy, Cody, here. Welcome back to the Benchwarmers. Go, Cadrill! Yeah. What's up, man? How we doing today? Uh, I'm pretty good. Like, uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, some sports and stuff that's happening around Seattle. You know, just like kick it off at the top of the show. So that's always putting me in a good mood. But uh, it's been a pretty nice weekend. <laughs> you looking, you looking outside, like the weather's finally starting to get nice. So right. might actually be able to go around, like throw a ball around, like have a good time. So Throw a ball around. Did you actually read your book that you said you were going to read I this did. week? You I did. I did. I didn't read it out in the sun like I had promised. Oh. Uh but I did actually get to get to some reading, so that was pretty <laughs> yeah. Hard. Yeah, it's definitely been nice having some good weather. And what else is going to be nice? We're going to have my ro- my uh, roommate, ex, uh, I guess, co-host on our new Central show, uh, JT Schmidt. He's going to be joining us in a little bit after we, you know, do some of the we cleanup like work. Sports. Yeah, we're gonna, we're going to just do some of the cleanup work, talk about what's happening around Seattle, and then uh, Cody has a big, fun, planned bit out for us. So we'll get to all that, but uh, Cody, why don't we just kick off and start talking about what was going on with Seattle sports? I'll let you give the decision. Uh, do you want to talk about baseball? You want to talk about football? Which one are you opening with? Mm, you know what, Cajo? Let's just start off with Mariners because they play in like an hour, I think, right? Yeah. So yeah, let's yeah, just yeah. get into it. Let's just talk about the Mariners. I'm really excited you know, all right. for baseball season. Mariners. Here, so. Every time we talk about them, I'm excited. So let's get it. Let's go. So not only, like, do we get to look forward to MLB The Show, that's going to be coming out. And, like, this is going to be the last day that uh, you won't be able to play MLB The Show here on the West Coast because at 9 o'clock tomorrow, I believe, is when it comes out. So uh, good chance for everyone to get into baseball. But also today, great chance. Because in the time that we spent um, off of our show, (laughs) so from last Sunday to this Sunday, the Mariners – had two rain delay or two weather delays, so they played two double headers, and then they won lead of the division, and then yesterday night they lost the lead to the a- or to the Angels, not the Astros, um, but they did lose to the Astros in an 0-1 game, and some of these games were absolutely crazy. Like first game against the Astros, um, it was just a nuts showing. Uh, they all went out. Um, they went down pretty early five to like three and then like slowly started coming back. And then, uh, all of a sudden Dylan Moore hits like just a, or was it Evan White? I think it was Evan White hits a bomb out into left field, um, to tie it up. And then they get to the bottom of the ninth and they get a walk-off ground rule double. Like we, I, (laughs) I'm, I'm expecting like a, a walk-off home run at some point, like, but it, it, we've gotten a walk-off walk and a walk-off ground rule double so far. So Mariners are definitely rolling right now. Um, and I believe the Angels play today, too. So Mariners and Astros are going to be a big one before we yes. go on to take the Dodgers. Because uh, we need to pick up really everyone that we can before that two-game stretch. Yeah, for sure. And I think the one thing that's going to help us prevail us, you know, to get ahead of these scumbags called the Houston Astros is the fact that Jose Altuve uh, does have COVID, so he's out. And Correa has not, you know, he's, he's, he hasn't been doing so hot within the last, like, four games. 
I feel like towards the beginning of the season, he was hype. You know, mm-hmm. I was watching them, and he was super good. But now he's kind of, like, dialed down. So I, Okay, okay. The only thing I'm worried about is um, Grinky, Zach Grinky, your, your yeah. dog, your boy. Because uh, <laughs> Grinky put up a show yesterday, uh, yeah. held him to zero runs, like, definitely – a pretty decent performance, um, but yeah, we're gonna have to face the Astros in like a couple more weeks, and it's that's always the scariest part is their pitching lineup is just yeah. so good. Um, so we'll see how that all goes, but as of right now, the Mariners are going to be playing at one ten. If you want to watch them, uh, that's gonna definitely be a fun game. Then I'm checking for if there's an Angels game, but you know what? I don't think there is. So uh, a win today would pretty much put us back in the lead for the division. And so it's they, just oh, they don't. Yeah, no, Angels don't play till uh, I believe tomorrow when they take on the Rangers. But oh. if you look at uh, if you look at the division, that's pretty much a dub. But yeah, why don't we take a look at the division? So um, as I've been saying, Mariners, Angels vying for the top. And I think what we covered last week. Um, let's see if I can pull up the standings. Uh, I got it right here. You got it? Yep. So the Angels are number one right now at eight and five. And the Mariners are only one game back, uh, nine and six. Then the A's, really funny because we talked about it last week. They were they were literally three and seven, I want to say, mm-hmm. last Sunday. They were not. And good. now they are eight and seven. Mm-hmm. They are third <laughs> in our division. And it sucks because <laughs> I was so excited because I was like, man, athletics are definitely gonna be missing the playoffs <laughs> this year. Uh I was all jazzed because I was like, man, I I accurately hit that one on the head and now all of a sudden they're charging back up they're both the astros like yeah i mean the the loss to us probably hurt the astros a lot but now they're like they're one and a half games back sitting at a seven and seven record and honestly rangers i guess six and nine like they might not be that far off from being able to beat the astros but i think that's just how much uh not having altuve might hurt them mm-hmm. but yeah, like it, it. It is early season. We have yeah. 162 games to play, so these are what 14 games right now. Mm-hmm. They're not really going to matter that much. 14, 16 games. Um, yeah. But yeah, Mariners right now, um, they're sitting with one extra win over the Angels, but also one extra loss. So they're not even really a game back. It's just probably going to flip uh, as the teams are winning until one of them drops a couple games in a row. So. That's gonna be a that's gonna be an interesting one to watch, but yeah. I think your prediction thing, could be uh, somewhat accurate. I actually, you know what, I you know I keep bringing it up every time, so they might they might do it. They might show everyone up and just make the playoffs, or they're gonna do what I said on when I was talking with Will and you. Uh, they're gonna do really well up towards the All Star break. They're gonna be above five hundred, like eight games, ten games above five hundred. People are expecting playoffs, and then out of All Star break, they just go on like a fifteen game losing streak. Yeah. Like I could see that happening. And I was going to say the thing I love about MLB and NBA is with the schedules and the rankings and stuff. There are so many games. So at the beginning of the season, like some like the Red Sox right now are ten and four, mm-hmm. which is crazy. You know, I I didn't expect the Red Sox to be that good, but then again, I don't know much. <laughs> so, but they're ten and four. Like they could literally go ten and four, and in the next two weeks, they could end up like like ten and like fourteen. You know, yeah. like ten and twenty four or something like that. It's really cool. I that's what that's what I really love about baseball and basketball like just the long seasons make everything so unpredictable it's great yeah well uh that being said with predictability let's be stupid and try to predict uh (laughs) one little thing that's been going down if i said mvp right now what's the first image that pops into your mind oh first image all right you guys you ready for this slick hair right (laughs) super dope dude he wears pit vipers. He has a chain that matches his number. It's Ronald Acuna Jr., baby. Are you kidding me? 
This dude's hype. And now that Tatis is out, I got no one else to root for <laughs> except for the Mariners and Acuna. <laughs> so, oh, and my guy, Cody Bellinger. Because yeah. Because that's just, you know, dope name. Because he's but, got a good name. but yeah, he's got a great name. <laughs> um, yeah, Acuna, if, uh, if you've only been tracking Mariners or just not tracking baseball at all, um, he is <laughs> – He's playing at another level. Like, he's been absolutely just top of the class. Like, I was watching a Braves game the other day, and it was hilarious because, the, well, one, it's kind of crazy because the Braves themselves, not doing that great. Uh, yeah. I think they're sitting at the bottom of their division, but you can expect that to change. But you look at uh, Acuna, <laughs> they were talking about how good he's been uh, when he's facing pitchers and, like, changing uh, based on the matchup. And in the second at bat he's had, they said he was hitting 700. And right when they said that said that stat, he just launches one over the fence. And I was oh like, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's at another level with his pace. Right now, he's uh, leading the league with seven home runs, yeah, uh, 16 RBIs. Like he's hitting, he's hitting 4.33 with an OPS of 1.409. Which, if you don't know anything about baseball, it means he's getting he's getting hits uh, versus strikes about. 43% of the time, which baseball is a sport of failure. If you hit it 30% of the time, you're considered very, very good. So uh, it's definitely not a pace I expect him to like continue. <laughs> he's not. You're not going to look at him at the end of the season and be like, man, he's hitting, uh, he's hitting 400. Um, if he does, then, yeah, he's instantly MVP. But um, he's definitely putting up some numbers. I think he's been super exciting to watch. I, I would have to agree with you because the last game I watched of him, I remember, dude. Like, he's so, like, I know you talked about the, you said 40%, you said, versus mm -hmm. strikeouts. I did this thing where I looked at him before he, you know, like, lines up for, to bat and all that. He is so confident, like, when he lines up yep. to bat. Like, he knows. Like, if it's if it's coming and he knows it's going out of the park, he just knows it. Like, he's like, yup, he hits it. He turns around, looks at his bench or his bullpen, and just gives him that Kobe smug. And it's just, <laughs> it's beautiful, dude. Acuna is just the guy. And and it's funny because it's not like a Soto confidence where, like, Soto's, like, dancing at the plate and, like, doing all that stuff. Like, he's just silent. He walks up. Uh, you see it in his face, but like he's not doing anything crazy. And then when he just drives it, he's like, "Yeah, I, I knew I was gonna do it." Like, <laughs> and you knew I was gonna do it. I don't know why you threw that pitch, but yeah, he's um he's a different breed right I, now. Dude, he kind of reminds me. He's like the swagged out version of Kawhi Leonard. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't talk much like on the field, but when he's up to bat, you know this dude is serious. And like just like Kawhi does not talk much when he's playing. But uh, if you know he's on the on the court, you know you're gonna have a tough time scoring against him because he's a great defender and he's gonna give your team 30 points, not just like not breaking a sweat. And it's crazy, you know. I love watching mm -hmm. guys like that, guys who let their game talk for them. Like they don't need to talk, you know. You know what I think would be fun? Let's do a let's do a player you should watch like each week. If people are like trying to get into MLB, one of the things we talked about is sometimes it's easier to just watch for a player. You know, I agree. Um, all right. So uh, if you have a player you want to throw, I have one I definitely want to throw out. But yeah. if you have one you want to throw out, you can. Okay. Um, I I know who you're gonna say. Okay. So I'll save it for you. Um, I definitely I'm gonna throw in Acuna in there, right? Why not? I'm gonna throw Acuna in there because I love wa watching Ronald Acuna. Yeah. And this is um gonna be really random but he's not fernando tatis for the padres it's actually you darvish okay Ooh. he's he's a little bit on the older side yeah but if you love like if you're a pitcher um or if you like pitching just watching pitching in general like i usually don't but i really enjoy watching you darvish i really enjoy watching him pitch like for some reason it's just he's just really good 
and at his age, I expect him. I thought he was like 25, 26. <laughs> like he was straight in his prime. Yeah. But nah, no, this dude's 34 years old and he's pitching lights out. It's crazy. So those two guys, for sure. Yeah, with the way he's been pitching, absolutely not a surprise. And then if you're also watching Padres, uh, good to keep an eye on good old Manny Machado, for sure. He hasn't I'm, been playing so hot. No, he, he. I mean, he hasn't been the best, but like, uh, he's he's probably like. I guess if you're looking at the other fun players on that team, uh, it's definitely one of them. Yeah. But uh, Padres have been having a tough time with some of their players, um, like I guess like being what they were last year, if mm-hmm. not, you know, being on the on the field. But uh, they're getting through it, and they have a fun series that's wrapping up with the Dodgers, I think, today. So um, definitely a good one to check out. Now, uh, my favorite, the guy I've been watching and why I'm like, for some reason, like becoming unapologetically <laughs> a Marlins fan, like gross, absolutely gross. Ugh. But, um, this kid named Jazz Chisholm, yes. uh, if you, if you watch him super speedy kid, like equated to like the Tyreek Hill of the MLB, it seems like, cause when he's stealing bases, he's beating them by miles. It's absolutely ridiculous. He's got blue hair. He just wears the chains. Like he's dripping in swag. Um, and he's been playing super duper well, um, and it's his rookie year, so like, it, I don't know. It could be something. Uh, not a lot of people expected a ton out of him coming out. Um, if you look at like rookie year, rookie of the year projections, he's ranked like outside of the top ten for a lot of people. For um, it's the NL or AL for one of the leagues, um, but yeah, basically he's. Uh, I think it's the NL for sure. But it's the NL. I remember. I think basically, uh, he's he's just a super fun time to watch. If he's ever on the bases, if he gets walked, uh, he's always a threat to steal. Oh yeah. Um, and then he'll just randomly like slap home runs in like the most clutch moments. So Jazz Chisholm. If you see a guy with blue hair who's just zipping around the bases, <laughs> uh, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, Marlins have been kind of fun. Uh, last year they were the team that like nobody really cared to believe in. They had like a before the COVID stuff. I think they had a two percent chance to make the playoffs. Really? Um, yeah, but then COVID hit and they had the special season, expanded playoffs, and it went to ten percent, um, something like that. But Ooh. then uh, <laughs> they got COVID at the beginning of the season. Um, they had a wild story, but they got there. Um, and now like, we're kind of seeing something that's kind of fun happening in Miami. So Marlins could be the, one of the next teams that's on their way up, especially if this kid and their other rookie Sixto Sanchez continue (laughs) to produce. Also, can I just say something about Sixto chances, Sixto Sanchez and jazz Chisholm. Like those are just dope names. Like I just (laughs) want to throw that out there. Like imagine you have the dynamic duo of Chisholm and Sanchez, like Sixto Sanchez and jazz or jazz Chisholm. Like that's just so cool. And plus, one thing you already mentioned stolen bases like for you non-baseball fans out there and like me literally like before <laughs> the season started I don't know why I'm acting like I'm just a you know connoisseur of baseball now <laughs> but um I was gonna say so one of the funnest things to see out of baseball like just watching baseball or like in person is stolen bases or like a bat flip mm-hmm. and I have never ever like out of all the baseball games I have watched it's not that much but it's been quite a few I've never seen someone stole a base before and mm-hmm. the fact that I saw him stole two in one game in one game was crazy enough for me to just join the hype train. Like I love this kid. Yeah, he's this super good. fun. Um, all right, so those are our two players to watch. We got uh, Ronald Acuna. That's a that's a big one if you're trying to track MVP and then potential Rookie of the Year candidate. I think in my mind, 
uh, is going to be Jazz Chisholm. So um, you can check out Braves games, Marlins games, uh, and it'll probably be a good time if you're just looking to sit down, throw something on while you're doing some homework. I think that's the best time to watch baseballs when you got other stuff going on because yeah. it's really hard to like engage with a baseball game unless you have other stuff that's going on. So um, I would definitely check them out if you can. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, sorry, I was going to say – for me, so for someone who doesn't watch baseball, so I would say the best way to get into it is, like you said, during homework, have it on in the background for, like, the first five or six innings. And then once it gets to, like, the seventh, eighth, and ninth, tune back in. Yeah. That's when all the good players are out to close it and all that stuff. So yeah. I think that scenario right there is the best time to just enjoy baseball. So Yeah, absolutely. All right, now let's move on to football so we can get JT in here. And I think that JT, after the break, is probably going to have something to say about this one. Because it's a pretty big move. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Alden Smith and Seahawks? <laughs> it's funny that you just said that right now. When I first saw the news, I looked at it and closed it. And until this day, I forgot all about the fact that Dog. they signed Alden Smith. All right, cool. Yeah, let's talk about it. He was this. your boy. Okay, yes, he was my boy. And then he decided to do you-know-what. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it yeah, on here. Yeah, probably shouldn't, but. I'm not going to say it. You know what he did. And after that, I was like, all right, I'm done with you, dude. And then because at that time, we had um, Justin Smith, the cowboy. We had Pat Willis, Navarro Bowman. Like We had all these guys mm-hmm. that I was like, Alden Smith? I, we can find another guy to sack the quarterback five times in a game. Who cares? But let's just get into it just real quick. I just want to say one thing before you start. Um, good for them. Good yeah. for Seattle for signing Alden Smith. They do need some pass rushing. Um, usually what happens with Seattle, I don't know why it is, but every time they sign an ex-49er, he usually just pops off for them. <laughs> I've so, noticed. It's pretty <laughs> so, funny. Yeah, so because, I mean, Carlos Hyde, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, Carlos Hyde did pretty well when Carson was out. Um who else did y'all did y'all get from us? I, I know they've picked up corners and stuff. We'll corners. talk to JT about it because I'm sure he'll he'll be ready to roast the Niners. <laughs> That's like his bread and butter. But um, yeah, I'm I, good for the Seahawks. But I I think more good for the Seahawks is good for Alden Smith. Um, I really do. I like him a lot. And if you don't know anything about Alden Smith, basically came into the league was just one of the league's premier pass rushers right off the bat. Oh yeah. But the problem was. Uh, he had a big problem with drugs and kept violating the NFL's drug policy. And for a while, he was suspended from the league. I think it was a good portion of like four years, mm-hmm. something like that. A long time. And uh, he just like made his comeback season. And we see like how devastating a season can be. If a season is missed by a player, like you look at Le'Veon Bell, uh, was one of the league's top backs, misses a season, and now like, is he even on a team? Yeah, he's on the Chiefs, I think. Or did they release him? I, d- I don't keep him? I thought they signed him to a one-year. but um, I don't like, know. That's a good question. Actually, you know what? I'm going to look that up right now, live on air. And, and like, there are just guys like that where they're, they miss a year, not even due to injury or anything crazy. They just sit out, and then they come back, and it's going to be crazy, which is why, like, this year, with people sitting out with COVID, there are probably going to be a bunch of players that are coming back that just aren't as good. So, um the thing about Alden Smith that's absolutely ridiculous was he missed 2016 to 2019. He missed four seasons in the NFL, and then he came back, played with Dallas, and uh, he came on early, granted. He came on early, and then he kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah. But he logged five sacks. Like He was um, he was playing super-duper well. Uh, let's see. what 
like ultimately like he's a, he's like a fine player. He's a very good serviceable player. Oh, yeah. Is agree. he going to be that player ever again that no. was like world breaker um recording 19 and a half sacks in a season? I don't think so. No. I really don't. don't but doubt. he's a 32-year-old pass rusher uh and he's definitely going to fill in a hole where they're missing with Jaron Reed. No, I, I agree. Actually, hold on. Since you brought that up, what the heck were they doing? Why'd they release him? Or, yeah, did we talk about Jerry? Yeah, we I didn't. I don't. Silent. I saw that and I was shook. I was like, not. E- I'm a Niner fan, so honestly, I love the fact that they did that. But I was like, I was even more shook. I was like, what? Why? He he had a good year for them, didn't he? Like, yeah, I mean, he was uh, <laughs> he was fine. But uh, you know what? We're we're getting into a lot of Seahawks stuff. Let's continue this conversation after taking a quick break. Uh, JT just got in, so. I can see him like really wanting to talk about. Yeah, this. let's get him in. Let's get him in. Actually, yeah. let's, let's take so, a break. Uh, <laughs> we'll take a quick break. Get JT on the mic, and then uh, yeah, and then we'll go into Cody's fun time uh, after all this. Don't so, say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Never say it like that ever. I'm again. so sorry. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, right now you're listening to Bench Warmers here on 88 One The Berg. Uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes, so make sure you stick around. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about, so we'll see you on the other side of the break. This is the Bench Warmers with your host Cody Foxley and Cajun Lane. Brought to you by 881 The Bird, your music central. Yo, I love that intro so much. Gets <laughs> me hyped, bro. I have I to know. hit the wall every time. That <laughs> well, drops. as we teased earlier, uh, we have special guest, uh, honorary dishwasher in my house. And uh, ex Berg employee and my ex co host on New Central, JT Schmidt. How you doing, JT? Woo-hoo! I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> no problem. Suck Thanks for you. coming on on a Sunday. It's a, it's a time when you can get a lot of stuff done. I know you could be at the gym, you could be uh, cranking out your homework and stuff. But actually, J- first off, I don't have homework. I graduated. Oh, oh, don't forget that. I oh, always no. flex that. <laughs> And actually, I, and I already went to the gym today. So uh. actually, I have to say, I think JT was actually prepping to be the next Jordan Spieth because he told me he had golf lessons. Oh, today, so I actually did get those moved entirely. But yeah, oh, I'm trying. Okay, to, I'm okay, trying okay. to not be. Um, how do I put this lightly? Bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we were talking a little bit before the break, and I know you wanted to talk a lot about it. We have uh, some stuff to talk about with the Seahawks. Um, so let's dive first into Alden Smith, the guy who's replacing Jaron Reed. Uh, what, are, what are your opinions on that signing? Because I really do enjoy it. Um, I do too. Yeah, so, so what are you thinking about it? As we've seen with Seattle, and so this, this may come off as a slightly unpopular opinion, but I don't really care. As we've seen with Seattle, they have been susceptible to, I won't call it toxic locker rooms, but definitely <laughs> um, you know, not always the perfect environment. Yeah, yeah. Carroll is not a very controlling coach. He's definitely one that kind of lets the leaders in the locker room do their thing and mm-hmm. leave it at that. Alden Smith is a guy who – now here's a guy. Uh, Alden Smith is a guy who has had a lot of issues, as we talked about, whether it's drugs, whether it's personal conduct. Um, he doesn't necessarily seem like all that good of a dude, <laughs> to be honest with yeah. you. I don't know <clears> – <throat> Well, first off, I don't know how much room there's actually going to be. They signed Kerry Hyder. They re-signed Carlos Dunlap. Mm-hmm. Yes, rotation is always nice. But with the Cowboys, he was just meh. He came on strong at the beginning of the year and then re- really didn't do all that much afterwards. Granted, they didn't have nearly as much offensive support anymore, but that's a different story. I don't love the signing. I don't like people. He's gotten, I think, enough chances 
I don't really know why the Cowboys took a chance on them, mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you. the Cowboys defense sucks. It's true. So. They were they were terrible. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll hold out judgment until the you know halfway through the season, end of the season, to decide whether I think it was actually a good signing or not. Right now, not super impressed. I like the young guys we have. I like the guys we just re-signed a lot better. But when it comes to Jaron Reed... Yeah, go into that. Cody, me, you, were ta- you were talking yes. about that earlier. <laughs> uh, apparently, he didn't want to restructure his contract. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because he had, I think it was two years left on his deal. Maybe he just had one. Maybe they wanted to yeah. do an extension. Okay. He was getting paid like 9.5 mil or something like that. Something they wouldn't be able to afford, really. Something he, he, and he wanted more. Yeah. And he wanted multi-year, according to his agent. Okay. Well, they can't do that, so and they couldn't trade him because his cap is just a little too high. You know, they cut him. They signed Jer- or not Jaron Reed. They signed uh, Carlos Dunlap. They signed these guys. They might still sign KJ or something like that. Maybe more depth at corner. It wasn't a terrible move, even though their depth at interior isn't amazing right now. Mm-hmm. But then he goes and signs with the Chiefs for about three and a half million dollars less mm-hmm. and only one year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It so sucks. well, I do want to say like the I think the biggest reason why is because you look at the years that they didn't have Frank Clark. He had two sacks, and he had six and a half. Six and a half, not bad. Um, but that came in when Carlos Dunlap was there. Mm. When he was, and like you have to ask, like would they really have signed him, or signed Dunlap if they kept Reed? Like all these things. Reed cannot be the only guy there. But uh, take a quick glance at his uh, current teammate, Frank Clark. When he was playing with him, ten and a half sacks recorded. His best mm-hmm. year. His best year, coming off of one and a half, one and a half. Um, so I think that those two, they might just make each other better. And I think that he's going to a system where he's like, look, I get to play next to Chris Jones. I get to play next to uh, Frank Clark, who I know that I work well with. Mm-hmm. And he's got that chemistry with. Like, <laughs> I think they, he knows I, his boys on offense are going to score most of the time. All it so. takes is a year for him to pop off. It takes a single year for him to pop off. I think it's kind of the problem that we see with uh, – with a lot of the Seahawks and, like, defensive linemen in general, where, like, you have Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett's probably the closest example where he was like, look, when I signed my deal, I wasn't the only guy on the line. I was I was getting some reps. Um, I was in and out. I was playing interior, exterior. And now it's it was it became a point where he was like i'm the main guy and i'm getting underpaid and that became a big like point of contention so yeah. i think that that's probably the biggest reason why reed's willing to just you know take a smaller deal somewhere else but that's just my theory honestly that's I just mean, my theory no he's definitely betting on himself which i mm-hmm. i get a lot of players do that i just think it was kind of crummy the way he did it <clears throat> like if you want to bet on yourself i mean why bet. join the Chiefs? <laughs> Why well, and I, and I get, obviously, like Cajal talked about, he's playing next to two of the better D linemen he, uh, in the league. He's still going to be a starter or at least very high up on the rotation. Yeah, He's going to get the opportunity to prove himself. It just, you know, as a Seahawks fan, kind of crummy the way that ended because he, you know, he was so integral to yeah. how our line yeah. did play when they were good. And he was a guy slowly coming up, like it seemed on the team. And, like, he just got better and better and better each year. And the only year he fell off, was back when, uh, like a year ago, when there was nobody to help him. There was seemingly nobody there other than him. And, and uh, then he got better. And then he got, got better when, when they, they got, got Dunlap and when they started actually, you know, trying to pass rush. Yeah. And uh, and that's why, like, going back to Alden Smith and stuff, I think that the Seahawks do best when they have a lot of guys who do things well. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you don't need that elite pass rusher. Maybe they went after JJ, but I don't think that they 
probably did. Um, they weren't willing to put out all that money, especially for it. So I think when you look at guys like Alden Smith, like the Seahawks don't really have a problem in their locker room right now with like drugs and uh, anyone really getting suspended all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, at to your point, when it comes to them having the bad influences, I think the only time that might change is if they bring Antonio Brown in, uh, like they've been talking about, because like he's still free agent, I think, and they're just trying to bring it. Uh, they're just trying to bring him in and recruit him. So. Um, I think their locker room, to your point, uh, might be fine um, unless they bring in Josh Gordon or Antonio Brown. But, like, Alden Smith genuinely seems like he's changed up a lot. Like, um, it's a struggle with drugs. It wasn't anything like domestic violence like we've seen guys get an extra chance from. Like, it was – and sometimes, like, even murder. Like, there are guys with, like, crazy cases out there that get a second chance that are, like, kind of sketchy. But, like, I'm just happy to see him, like, get off – seemingly get off drugs and be able to come back. Um, And hopefully it doesn't slap the Seahawks in the face uh, if he ends up being unreliable. I do just want to point out he does have a couple DV charges. Yeah, yeah. He had a a couple, like, way – early um oh I no think. this that, like recently recently like 2018 dang like bad locker room presence i take it back <laughs> no I, I i'm still i don't think he's gonna be a big locker room thing i feel like i don't know because alden smith um uh, when he was playing for the cowboys obviously he went there because the cowboys needed some pass rushing mm-hmm. and i feel like with the with seattle and the fact that they lost reed i think it gives him uh, an incentive to play well and maybe build a home in seattle because you know what why not you know, he's got nothing much to lose at this point. Like, his career is kind of coming to an end. So go to a team that just lost their best pass rusher from last year, I think, in Reed. At least I think so. I think Reed's their best. And then just see what you can do. Like, I love the signing for Seattle. I'll, you know, cool. I mean, nice. last year, statistically, their best pass rusher was Jamal Adams. Well, Blitzboy? Yeah. <laughs> Blitzboy. Hey, a, if Blitzboy wants to blitz and we can <laughs> and we can have a little bit of coverage, I'm okay with Blitzboy being Blitzboy. I mean, you got yeah. Blitzboy blitzing, and then you got uh, – what's that good dude that gets burnt every single play? Don't, not uh, – Trey, Trey – uh, Flowers? Flowers. Flowers, yeah, Flowers. That dude gets burnt like every other play. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? Even though they lost Griffin, both Griffins, I don't, only one was really yeah, impactful. Yeah. yeah. Um, they did steal someone else from the 49ers. They did. DJ Reed. They did. I'm a big fan of that. That's it. And if they if as long as I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> as long as Flowers <laughs> is playing a corner 2 role <laughs> and isn't getting burnt, like his technique just gets I mean, he was a safety in college and he's only a couple years removed from college still. He's on his rookie deal. If he can get a little better and, you know, Pete Carroll's really at least half decent at uh making you know, dudes in the good corners uh, if they have the right body type. Yeah, uh, it'll be decent. I think. I think DJ Reed is the number one. Is the biggest question mark for the backfield. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know what you think about Alden Smith signing in Seattle. You can text in 509-963-2311. That's 509-963-2311. All right. And speaking of eleven, Cody, uh, we have sure. the 2011 draft class. You have an exercise you wanted to do with us. So uh, I'm just going to pass it to you, let you tell everyone what's going on, because frankly, (laughs) I don't know all that much myself, but uh, I'm I'm sure it'll be a fun time, so kick it off. Let's just get into it, and before I uh, get into it, um, I just have to point out very quick, I don't know why, but it bothers me when people say 2311 instead of 2311, like, it just makes me go, like, like, every time. Pick your battles, bud, that's not a big deal. I know, (laughs) I know, but it hurts, it's like, uh, anyways, um, but... (laughs) 
Today, we have something fun in store because I decided in honor of the draft coming up uh, pretty soon on the 29th, um, we are going to do a whole draft show, a whole draft special next Sunday. But for this Sunday, I thought, let's take a flashback to the past 10 years from now to, or from now, <laughs> 10 years ago, 10 years ago to 2011, uh, looking at the top 10 picks from 2011. You, sorry, you mean 2011, right? <laughs> 2011? Yeah. 2011. Sure. 2011. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh man, it's uh, not a it's not a freaking shit. phone number. I can say whatever I want with Do you. Miss right. me yet? 20, 2011. 2011. Sorry. Continue. Continue. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wanted to take a look at the top ten picks from 2011. Now I'm changing it just to be that guy <laughs> uh, from 2011. See where they're at. Like, see where are they now? How has their career panned out? Do you remember them? Speaking to you two, and of course our audience. Do you guys remember these players? And if any were to retire today, or if they already retired, how many are Hall of Famers? So I thought, you know, why don't, why don't we just get into it? So the top 10 pick from 2011, I'm actually going to start from 10 and work my way up to one, and we can just talk about all of them when we get there. So let's go number 10. The 10th pick from the 2011 draft was Blaine Gabbert, selected by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and I think you're really starting with the strongest player in this draft. I mean, absolutely. To talk about someone with absolutely elite potential who was a not-miss prospect from day one, I think that's what you see when you look at Blaine Gabbert. And 100% totally joking, he was out of the league in no time, replaced by even better Blake Bortles. Uh, Blaine Gabbert, I think his best stint was probably on the Niners. Cajal, you're wrong. He's not out of the league. What would you actually? Would you like to know? A fun, Out of a starting role, I would should you like say, to know a fun fact though? Yeah, go ahead. He won a Super Bowl last year. No, he's on the Bucks. <laughs> he was the backup to Tom Brady. <laughs> no. You can't tell me he has a bad career. Dude threw oh two, two touchdown passes on the team. Gosh. Oh, okay, Mr. Okay. Gabbert. He has more rings than uh, Cam Newton. Yo, y'all <laughs> rocking true. with Blaine Gabbert? Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, but, conti uh, but continue. Blaine yes. Gabbert, obviously not the elite guy, uh, replaced by Blake Bortles, who was also not a, not an elite guy. Didn't take that much, but he did have a nice little stint on the Niners when people were wondering, oh, oh who's going to be the starting quarterback? Is it going to be Blaine Gabbert or Colin Kaepernick Like for the longest period of time? So um, <sighs> that was about the most excitement you ever really saw out of him. Um but yeah, I, I don't know what else much to say about him. Like, it's pretty clear, like not Hall of Fame or anything. But JT, do you, what are your thoughts on Blaine? Uh, twenty eleven, ESPN magazine had a cover, and I'll talk about this probably a couple more times because I, I find this so funny. It was, you know, who's gonna be the next guy? And you, you see these covers all the time. They've got them in their combine gear. They're either yeah. ultra tight or way too loose under armor or now new era but the <laughs> you know that stuff and it's yeah find some weird background they all look like they shouldn't probably be there they all got weird haircuts because it's 2011 <laughs> um it was blaine gabbert flanked oh, i'm sorry no it was cam newton in the middle and we know we'll talk about him a ton but then it was he was flanked by blaine gabbert and jake locker and the question what? The question asked on the cover, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was ESPN magazine. It could have been a draft magazine, but who cares? The question on the cover, who will be the number one pick? Uh, who will be? <laughs> I will say uh, Panthers made the right choice from those three, but, uh, yeah, that <laughs> – it's it's a uh, it's it's always crazy to me how like at the time it probably seemed like a totally normal question to ask 
But then we go 10 years in the future and we look back at it and we're like, oh my God, what were they thinking? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, you look at his, you know, you look at his career. He started 14 games in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. 12 touchdowns, 11 picks. Yeah. <laughs> Jaguars weren't good that year, but he didn't help. He also got sacked 40 times, fumbled 14 times. Oh, jeez. Dude had 25 total turnovers in his rookie year and yep. 12 total touchdowns. <laughs> 2,200 yards, which is a career high. The next wow. year, he got injured a little bit, you know, only started 10 games, nine touchdowns, six picks. He cut down the fumbles, though, okay. and the sacks. He only got sacked 22 times and lost lost three of his five fumbles. And then by 2013, he was out of the starting role. He only started three <laughs> games. Yeah. One to seven in touchdown interception. His career has just been so up and, and He had a quick resurgence, like you said, 2015 San Francisco when they were trying to figure out who their guy is going to be. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that was nothing special, 10-7. to 7. Uh, He's just been average his entire career or below average. But dude got his money. He got yep. his ring. He got, he he got, got his, his first ring. round he money. he got his ring. He got his first round money as the 10th overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, assuming he you know, did, is smart with that, he's set for life. And he finally got his ring. He's probably going to be a backup for another few years. Yeah. yeah. If if not a yeah, uh, one of the greatest of all time. So yeah, I'm seriously. Probably the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it, but seven rings – it kind of proves something. Yeah. Oh my gosh! What if what if by the end of this, uh, Gabbert has like three rings, <laughs> just chilling as a backup? I'd be a career fourth string quarterback if it meant having three <laughs> rings. Yeah, honestly. Are you kidding me? I, mean, I could say I'm a quarterback for a professional team. Oh, and by the way, I've got these three rings. <laughs> oh, and also, uh, I sat behind uh, not only Tom Brady. By the way, yeah, yeah. I, I knew Tom Brady. I, I'm buddies with Tom Brady. Yeah, I can, if Tom I can Brady wasn't right there, now. I probably would have been starting. But, you know, kind of greatest of all time and stuff. So. <laughs> like, <laughs> sounded like a high school kid talking about the glory days. <laughs> Dude, I can imagine him, like, when he's, like, 40 or 50, he's, he's telling his grandkids, yeah, I uh, backed up Tom Brady and won a Super 40-year-old with grandkids, huh, Cody? Yeah, 40, 50, 60, when he's that, like, 40 years from now, I said. Cause he's oh, 40 what? years, oh, 40 from, years now. from now. That's different. <laughs> Yeah, did you not, did I did I say it wrong? You just said, you said forty or fifty when he's forty or fifty with his look talking to his grandkids. Oh, like, I meant to say when it, like forty years from now when he has grandkids. <laughs> All right, there like that, that makes more sense. All right, yes. well we got a lot on Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> Who was the? Uh, you can open up on the number nine pick. All right, I was I was gonna say I was gonna do like a whole trolling thing of how Blaine Gabbert could be in the Hall of Fame, but I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> let's just um, I'm not even gonna waste my breath. We'll so, save that for other names. <laughs> yeah. List here. So let's just get to number nine. Uh, the ninth pick of the 2011 draft was Tyron or Tyron? Is it Tyron? Tyron, Tyron Smith, I think. Tyron, Tyron, I believe. Tyron Smith, tackle, uh, selected <clears throat> by the Cowboys. So JT, you want to get us started on Tyron Smith? I mean, it's ten years since his career began, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He's an all-decade guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Pro Bowls don't mean a ton, but I think he's got, uh, let's see here, seven straight. Yeah, seven straight Pro Bowls from 13 to 19. Four All-Pros, and as an offensive lineman, that's especially hard to get. Yeah, All-decade team, like I said, for uh, NFL and Sporting News. I have no idea what Sporting News is. He started every game he's played in. And he's become synonymous. The Cowboys offensive line from that period where they had DeMarco Murray, who was also picked in this draft, fun fact. Yep, he was. uh, Was synonymous with dominance. And they would always add guys, but they had their core together. They were always dominant. But the anchor of that was, you know, Tyron Smith. Mm -hmm. And he's a big dude who's fast and he's a road grader. He just drives guys into the ground. 
he is every offensive line coach's dream because you don't need to teach him all that much. And he's a really he's still a very good player. Mm-hmm. He does not get penalized a lot. He doesn't let up sacks. Uh, he's very clearly a leader. I think, honestly, close to Hall of Fame lock if he just plays five more years and at a relatively the same level. Yeah, I think this really set the set the tone for the dominance that the Cowboys would have in terms of their offensive line for years and years and years. Because yet not only do you get Zach Martin and Travis Frederick, I believe a couple a couple years later, um, but you have this guy who has been just this complete like pillar for them. And when I say pillar, I'm like yeah, he's been like huge in their organization. But if you look at the two, he's big. Like there are pass rushers when they he step up big. to him, like pass rushers that look big that are dwarfed. Like he's what, six seven, something like that? Six foot five, three twenty. Yeah. He's just he's not a small massive. dude. Yeah. He's just massive. Like if I were some draft analyst, it's like, here's a guy who has vice grips for hands, quick feet, like he's everything that you could ever want. Like JT said, like he's he's just like kind of the pinnacle of tackles. And now we're looking at a draft where like tackles are, you know, flying off the board and stuff. And I don't know if it's the change in the NFL or if some draft people just missed on him. But I'm shocked. I'm really, I really am shocked that he did not go earlier uh, in this draft because he was just. When you look at him, you're like, how could anyone not think that he was going to be just a mega star? Yeah, I mean, I feel like at the time in 2011, I feel like a lot of um, organizations weren't really big on linemen. I feel like, I mean, I don't know, like that, because a lot. If when I'm looking at the top 10 pick right now, a lot of them are skill positions mm-hmm. or pass rushers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I agree. I think he's a lock for the Hall of Fame if he. he not even five years. Like if he retired today, I definitely think he would be in the Hall of Fame. He's so, got an outside chance at the very least. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, which is more than a lot of people could say. Especially when he was on that line when they had Travis Frederick. Or sorry, voice crack. Jesus, Travis Frederick, Lyle Collins, and Zach Martin, and all those guys. Like, yeah, yeah that was a stud offensive line. Well, to, an- to answer why he didn't go early, I'm just speculating here. But he was 20 when he got drafted. Jeez. He was really, wow. really young. Wait, he was 20, 10 years ago? He's 30 right now. Oh, my. So oh, my. He's an older dude, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he. there was a, no, younger guys you just don't always know. He also went to USC, yeah. which. He, he was he was young coming out of the draft, and, like, it's kind of crazy, though, that, like, I don't know. I feel like when you look at the youth and stuff, that if he's that big when he's 20 years old, you draft the man. That's like a. It's, that's not yeah. quite, the point I'm making is okay. more you know front offices they want in offensive linemen they want um, they want maturity yeah. not just you know intellectual mental maturity but they want physical maturity mm-hmm. when you're at what well, kind of at your peak especially if you're going to be picked in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't want you to have to develop for too long and also you know like my <laughs> my younger brother is uh you know, he's a big dude. Hall Schmidt, yeah. Took him a little bit to just picked up his first first couple offers. Actually, did your lights go out, KJ? My lights went out. I'm fixing them. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. I saw that on Twitter, oh, JT. By the way, congrats or for your brother. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it's first it's sick. Uh, anyway, but it took him a while to you know kind of grow into that six foot seven frame, and so I mean, NFL, you got to be best of the best. You got to be top of the line, athleticism, top of the line, everything. Uh, so I can see maybe why he dropped just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, we're we uh, should probably keep rolling on these ones because we are we're moving at snail's pace right now. Let's go into Jake Locker. I know this one's close to a lot of Washington people's hearts, but what do you got to open it up with, Cody? 
Um, Jake Locker. Well, you just skipped my entire thing. I was going to say that he was picked eighth. Jake Locker. Okay, well. Oh, we my bad. My skipped. bad. My well, bad. I didn't even <laughs> announce him yet. You know, like, okay, fine. You're not yeah. Roger Goodell. You yeah. don't need to All announce right, him. You don't get All the right, big yeah. board captain. All right, fine. Let's just get into it. Jake Locker, pick eight. Yeah, he's a freaking bust. He sucked. Washington native, for sure. Yeah. The, honestly, probably, I still think he might, he might be the best quarterback to come out of Washington besides um, that one other dude that played for the Titans. I forgot his name. This is the guy who played this for the Titans. This is the guy that played for the Titans. <laughs> Jake Locker? Yeah. yeah. We're still talking to the same guy? So he is still, the, <laughs> in your mind, he's the favorite guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's the best quarterback to come out of Washington. I don't got much to say about him. He, he sucked. He was, he was buns. So. Yeah, he, well, it, I don't know if it was le- more that he was buns, and I think it was more that he was just injured. I mean, if the, I guess for a quarterback, availability is a huge statistic. So if you're not available, yeah, I guess you're not that good. But um, even when he did show, he wasn't all that prominent. Uh, I'm avoiding stats right now because I'm sure JT is about to drop some sick knowledge on us. But um, overall, from what I remember from Jake Locker's career, I remember my dad was super excited, but like he just didn't really look like the guy when he was on the field. And then injuries just kept taking him off. And th- that's the reason he retired early. Like it was, it was a rough, rough road for him going from college all the way to the NFL. He was not good. Yeah. It's kind of all I got, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I, do, I actually do have a quick story, though. Um, when So my younger brother, the big old one, yeah. he he has literally always been all about football, mm-hmm. sports in general, but football especially. I didn't get super, super into football until uh, like seventh, eighth grade when I actually started playing. He started playing pretty early on. Um, but when he was really young, my aunt went to UW at the same time that Locker was the quarterback. And he would come to the coffee shop that she worked at a lot. Oh. So my little brother, he is not artistic, just so we're clear on this, <laughs> drew a picture of Jake Locker and, and like the <laughs> UW Stadium and all that and gave it to her. Oh. It was cool. And then she gave it back to him, signed by him. Oh. What? Unfortunately, in that's crayon? Prob- <laughs> yeah, yeah, in crayon. <laughs> that would be hype. Uh, no, but Jake Locker signed the picture and gave it back, which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, yeah, no, I've, I've heard kept he's a stand-up guy. I've heard he's a really cool guy, um, and I'm sure he's, he is. he's like you know like the Andrew Luck uh, level of like at peace, uh, just because being in the NFL was so hard for him, especially with injuries, because mm-hmm. you can only go through so many injuries that end your season. Oh yeah, and like rehab and like be mentally okay. Well, he was um, injured every single year of his career, mm-hmm. and that's why like I also feel like it affected his on field performance. Not not because he got less time for reps and stuff, but because mentally you're just you're worried, you're well, scared, you're, you're exhausted too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a listen frank injury to his foot that, yeah. that is not only is that painful that affects everyday life so much yeah but it's just it's such a mental toll to have a major injury especially yearly I mean, it's yeah. also it's like when's the next one going to come yeah it sucks i mean i i guess i feel bad now for saying he's buns but he still was buns when <laughs> he, he wasn't, did play he wasn't good when he it's did play it's an accurate but... way of putting it don't yeah. get me wrong and like i said availability mm-hmm. is a huge quarterback stat and he just wasn't able to do it and i think the titans would redo the pick if they could um with oh, some yeah. of the quarterbacks that come later but yeah, uh, yeah that's Anyways, unfortunate but you uh, can uh, you can either keep talking about him or you can move on to the no, next pick i'm moving on to i'm actually going to skip the 7th pick because we actually talked about him at the top of the show the oh, seventh pick was We're Alden gonna, Smith. We let's can't give him a skip little him. love. You want, uh, we, we we spent an entire thirty minutes just talking. About, I got nothing else to, nothing else to say about. We Alden did talk Smith. a lot. I I'll say briefly, great player when he played, uh, but unfortunately, off the field issues derailed his career. So he never really realized his full potential, which could have been a Hall of Famer if he had kept playing at that pace. 
33 and a half sacks in his first two years. Didn't start a single game as a rookie, but still had 14. Yeah. Dude was absolutely he insane was, was and a, a terrorized year. the Seahawks for a mm-hmm. couple of years right around their peak. Not the same anymore, obviously. And he stood out on a defense loaded with stars. When you look at that Niners team, oof. All right. Uh, yeah, that's all we need to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we can I, just I move on next one. I just want to get on to the next one because I do have stuff to say about this guy. The number six pick from the 2011 draft was wide receiver Julio Jones, selected by the Falcons. So um, I'll just get started with that. I all I really want to say, Julio, um, I didn't get to watch him towards his early stages. I kind of started, like, knowing his name um, in 2015, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started hearing, like, oh, Julio Jones is the best receiver. Um so I can't say much about him in the past, but as of what I've seen from 2015 to now, I genuinely think like this dude is a top 10 receiver of all time. Like his, he's just an incredible athlete. I love the way he plays. I think it's fun to watch him play, and I don't know. I really enjoy watching Julio Jones. Plus, every year since 2018, I want to say he has been the first receiver I have selected for fantasy every year, except for this past year in our league. Someone else took him. I forgot. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was always my first receiver drafted, and this dude has helped me win or come in second place <laughs> for a lot of fantasy championships. And if you know my, my friend group, we, we, we have bragging rights, we like, or we do punishments. So winning fantasy is a big thing for me. So, yeah, shout out Julio Jones. I definitely think he's a Hall of Famer. This is a guy who's fast. He's very big. He's very long. Got vice grip hands. Like, okay, uh, Mel. <laughs> I, it's my favorite. This is a guy. And here's when a I, guy. And honestly, here's a guy that is just another level of athlete. And I think that's ultimately what needs to be said about him. And he lived up to his potential for most of his career. I think it's really sad that uh, right now Blaine Gabbert probably has more rings than Julio Jones will have. He does. Um, and Julio Jones may never see one, uh, especially if the Falcons don't want to trade him and they plan on going full rebuild. Um, but it depends on what they do with their pick, obviously, in the coming uh, weeks. But... Yeah, I think Julio Jones, um, just definitely one of those better receivers of our generation. I don't think he's absolutely the best, but I think he's up there in the conversation for one of them. And I think uh, he's a lock for Hall of Fame. I I kind of agree with you. I mean, five All-Pros says something. Even if yeah. first or second team. If you get five All-Pros mm-hmm. in, in 10 years, five mm-hmm. All-Pros in 10 years, uh, with you know two of his seasons being at least half gone to injury. He's really good, man. <laughs> he also holds the NFL record for yards in a game, in case you didn't know that. Or uh, not yards in a game, I'm sorry. Yards per game. Yeah. 95 and a half per he's, game. Because he's just a monster. Well, he's consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very consistent. He's, he's a very good player, very solid guy. He, yeah. of course, got robbed of a Super Bowl by poor quarterbacking. <laughs> and poor, mostly poor defense, but Matt Ryan probably could have played a little better. I want to say it was poor coaching. I feel like they should have ran the ball more. But that too. I, you know, you ever seen that video where it says uh, if they had knelt every single time and then punted, they probably would have won. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. When seen at that. the point where they're up twenty-eight to three, somewhere through the third, yeah. If they had knelt every single time, statistically, they would have had like a fifty-five percent chance of victory. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, that's all they needed to do. But you know what? That's enough of Julio Jones because we're gonna get into the top five now with. The fifth pick of the 2011 draft. One of the best matchups with Julio Jones, I'd say. Yeah, and this guy is 
well, no, Jalen Ramsey is DK's father, but this guy is <laughs> DK's stepdad, I guess. So Patrick <laughs> Peterson drafted by the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Peterson, um, awesome, awesome player. He was really, really good, obviously throughout his uh, his Cardinals career. And then you had he had like a little stint where uh, he, I think he was playing a bit slower or he was playing leaner because uh, he had something with diabetes that popped up. But um, then he just continued on playing like it was no big deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, I think it was a big, big deal for uh, like people like diabetic athletes and stuff like that just wasn't something you typically saw. Um, but Patrick Peterson like really made a statement with that. But other than that, like he dominated quarterbacks in the NFC West for years and years and years. Um, he was always one of those guys where he was following your main receiver around and he was locking him down. He mm -hmm. had insane speed. And then not to mention like, what they got out of him from the return game as well for a lot of years was just absolutely golden. So um, Patrick Peterson, while I don't think he's necessary, like I think he's kind of one of those bubble players for Hall of Fame. I think he's probably Hall of Very Good, but um, that's just because corners are, have such a hard time getting in. Um, but he's one of those people where uh, if there's like a down year or something, I could see him making it. I like yeah. him a lot. I would say, you know, just based on everything, he's definitely a college Hall of Famer. No doubt. Yeah. You know, two all two first team All Americans. He's incredible. But Hall of Very Good, I think, is the best place to put Patrick Peterson. Very, very good. Again, terrorized the Seahawks for years. God, I, I hate this division so much. <laughs> uh, but K you're absolutely absolutely right, Cajel. The his return game, his rookie year, four touchdowns. Yeah. Four return touchdowns. <laughs> uh, around seven hundred yards uh, returning. Dude's ridiculous, and I think at the time he was the number one or number two corner, maybe. I don't know if he was the number one yet. I don't remember who else they had. Yeah. But, you know, once he was the number one corner, he slotted in very, very well. was always just so good. Yeah. Yeah, not really that hard for him once he got the starting <laughs> role. Like, uh, it, for a long time, it was – it was so hard because, like, my favorite matchups, honestly, to watch back in the day were Patrick Peterson and Doug Baldwin because Doug Baldwin was, like, a guy who was just burning receivers, not for, like, crazy yardage, but, like, he was so shifty that he would pick up 10 to 15 yards on him. Patrick Peterson just kept his stride with him the entire time, mm -hmm. and those were always incredibly awesome to be able to watch. Yeah, and I remember watching um, a lot of Pat Pete versus our guys, too, like when we had Crabtree and all those guys mm -hmm. when they were good. Like, this dude was just a solid lockdown corner. And I agree with JT. I really hate this division. <laughs> sucks. It's the worst. It's too many talented players in our division, and it just sucks. I don't, I, I don't like it. You know, why AFC can't... North is taking applications. <laughs> Come over here. I mean, hey, AFC North I'm already is a Browns fan. Nice. I got you. Uh, okay. Oh, you know what? Speaking of the AFC North, let's get into the fourth overall pick. Nice transition. For, uh, from the 2011 draft. Thank you, JT. Uh, it's your <laughs> I boy. Spoon feed it to him. It's anything. your boy, Kajol, AJ Green. Yes, it is from my the Bengals. boy. <laughs> uh, it is my boy. Uh, the boy, I think. And, like, I. Okay. I think that it's kind of criminal the disrespect that AJ Green gets um, throughout his career because he has been one of the better receivers to do it. Um, and. Julio Jones, like, it seems like everyone's like, Julio Jones, Julio Jones. Of course he's a lock for the Hall of Fame. But, uh, l like, when you look at A.J. Green, right off the bat, no one was doing it like him. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five. 
Uh, five seasons in a row uh, with 1,000 yards, which was going to be in contention for a record, but he got injured uh, for his sixth season like right at the tail end so he finished with 964 and then he followed it up in the seventh year with another thousand yard receiving season um right off the bat uh he put up 13 1400 yards in a season just that's what you expected from him and the crazy thing about him wasn't necessarily his physicality yes he was big and long and fast and whatever but when you saw him on the sidelines it was like you had just gone to a performance of the nutcracker like the man (laughs) has the toes of a ballerina and it always seemed like he was the most reliable when you needed that sideline catch that nobody in the league can make he was making it and i think that if the Bengals, even if julio jones is on the board if you redo this draft class i think that they still take aj green because what he was for the organization i think is so pivotal and i think that he was better than julio jones the Bengals just let him down Oh, yeah. The Bengals really bungle his career. Yeah. You look at the postseason, and it's just sad to look at because he did decent in postseason. <laughs> he, got, he got a lot of targets. First two years, he had over 10, and the uh, last two years, he had close. But every single year, one game played, one game played, one game played, one game played. Because the Bengals as a team weren't complete. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether that was quarterbacking, depending on the year, whether that was defense, or just getting a little bit screwed by uh, the Steelers thing. Was that the Steelers? Yeah. Was that the yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Vontez Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. So I guess you could still, still sore. You could still you could still blame the defense. But he was the model of consistency, like you said. Five straight seasons with a thousand yards, or at least a thousand yards. And when he played more than eleven games, with last year being the lone exception, which was a weird year in general, mm-hmm. if he played at least eleven games, not even three quarters of the games in a year, he had a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. It's right. ridiculous. Model of consistency and and by all accounts, a really good leader on the team. Yeah. Kind of right from the get-go, which is nice. I don't when, I don't Cajal, when did Andy Dalton start starting? Did he start his rookie year at all or no? Yeah. He it was it, they were drafted together and I yep. believe they just immediately like right off the bat were playing um together. Uh I might be wrong about that, but I'm I think Andy Dalton started his rookie year and they ever since then like that was the nice thing about that duo was it was first round second round and it just worked worked. i mean they clearly built a rapport every single year he had at least 100 targets except for 18 and the 19 where he didn't play that's why they tried to do it again with burrow and higgins i think Mm -hmm. honestly you just want to get them together so that they can grow together in the league and you know what it's pretty genius yeah and andy dalton started uh uh 16 games in 2011 just like wow Wow. Yep. They started a third round dude right off the bat, huh? Second round. Oh, he's a second, second rounder? Yeah. Okay, I he thought was it was a second third round. All right. I guess I will wrap things up with AJ Green with one thing. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before you do that, uh, I'm going to get us quick legal in there. Going to throw that in. KCWU Ellensburg, 88.1 The Berg, your music central. Find us on the iHeartRadio app. All right, we got that taken care got of. Stay <laughs> legal. Yeah, boom, yeah. boom, boom. All right, I, now uh, you can you can go. Okay, sorry. Uh, I just wanted to wrap things up with AJ Green. Uh, I will say, um, I think he will go down as one of the most underrated receivers from this past decade, like the tens, because I, like you said, he was a very consistent receiver, very good guy, very good leader. I think he's gonna fall into the lines of like the Andre Johnson type of receivers, like those guys. Like had really good years, but people are gonna forget about him, like probably five, six years down the line. So. It's mm-hmm. unfortunate. He, um, yeah, I, I don't know, though. I mean, you did, you, you said something along the lines of you think that he could have been better than Julio. 
maybe that's a hard thing to swallow but uh, I don't know so yeah I mean when you look at just the general offenses Matt Ryan I will always say better than a uh, better than good old uh, Andy Dalton but also the offenses that they built around Julio were just crazy like at the very worst Julio had Roddy White or Calvin Ridley on the other side of him mm-hmm. um, and AJ like yeah, he for a brief stint, and it was kind of when he was doing his best, is when he had Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu like doing well with him, and he was still dominating. Um, but then once those guys left, like uh, Tyler Boyd was still coming into his own. John Ross wasn't working out, and it was just AJ. It was just AJ, and uh, I think that had he had other pieces around him, it would have worked out a bit better. But who knows? Who knows? knows? It's 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 one of those questions that'll be lost to time. It'll be a mystery. We'll never get to know the answer. Yes, it's a what-if question for sure. But anyways, let's just get into the third pick of the 2011 draft, and that is Marcel Darius. Now, I'm just going to pass this off to YouTube because I actually did not watch a lot of Marcel. I just know he was drafted by the Bills. Speaking Uh, of what-ifs, so he was really good right at the start of his career, made a Pro Bowl uh, in a in 13 and 14 and then first team all pro in 14 uh, as well as the all rookie team in 2011 he was really good right off the bat he got it's a i don't want to say it's like the albert hainsworth story because it's not but uh, buffalo gave him in 2015 six years 95.1 mil with 60 guaranteed which made him the highest paid non-quarterback in the league (laughs) in terms of guaranteed money that's nuts not just not just in terms of defense or d-line non-quarterback which is a lot and then two years later not even two years later they trade him for a fifth he he just he got his money mm-hmm. and didn't really do all that much afterwards mm-hmm. he was he was pretty critical to helping the jags reach the afc title game in 17 mm-hmm. i will give him that uh he was helpful there but they also had a star-studded d-line yeah it's it's a little bit of a what if story what if he had not sucked after (laughs) (laughs) what if he hadn't been bad what if he hadn't been been well what if he hadn't been bad after he got his contract because in the years before his contract rookie year five and a half sacks as a deal tackle Mm -hmm. sophomore season five and a half third year seven and a half contract year comes 10 year after he signs a contract two yeah Yeah. i I mean Uh. it's not good yeah, and I think he was also playing alongside uh, Mario Williams for the longest time. He had Super Mario with him, mm-hmm. and that was a huge help for him, guaranteed. Um, but I got to see where Mario Williams went because I remember remember back in the days with that Buffalo defense, like nobody in in the league could stop the Patriots, right? So, like, what did a lot of teams do uh, in their division? They just tried to build defense. Um, and we have – can you look up uh, Mario Williams? He was a bill from 12 to 15. 12 to 15, and we see the drop-off at about 2014. So, yeah. um, on or No, no, no. What am I doing? I'm looking at Alden Smith. <laughs> uh, we saw the drop-off at about 2015. Yep. Yeah. So I think that that was a huge portion of his career for sure, where um, I think that they kind of depended on him, and that was a team that was kind of dismantling things. So um, he just, he just kind of – didn't have it to be his own guy which mm-hmm. when you draft a guy that early i think mm-hmm. you're kind of looking for but oh definitely well and also i mean it's almost like football's a team sport yeah <laughs> like got you draft guys and you put guys together who work really well together it's almost it's like almost like if you separate them <laughs> it doesn't work out so well 
<laughs> but Maybe. yeah, I mean, that's all, that's all I really have to say on Darius. Like, um, I don't think he's going to be any sort of Hall of Famer. Oh, um, I mean, from what I was here, I was here, he only played four games. So well, he didn't. Did he play last year at all? Four games, four seasons. Sorry, he played. Uh, he played four seasons very well. Yeah, and then he yeah. was just. He's just kind of a role player. Like he exists. Mm-hmm. I don't think he played last year though at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he was think on so. a team. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, he's still a free agent and wasn't on a team last year. Well, there's a guy that I'm still surprised who's on a team at pick number two. If we want to talk about him. <laughs> oh yeah, this guy. Oh my God, the biggest bust of all time. <laughs> but uh, the number two pick from the 2011 <coughs> draft. Uh, you might have heard of him. Some dude named Von Miller. Yeah. yeah just drafted yeah. by the Broncos. He's Not okay. really that special. Yes, but. <laughs> hey, no, no, I'm kidding. But anyways, <laughs> dude, Von Miller drafted second overall by the Broncos. Uh, let's just get into it. Cajel, you want to start us off? I mean, what more can you say about Von Miller other than he single-handedly threw Peyton Manning over his shoulders and carried him and the rest of that Broncos <laughs> team to their Super Bowl win? Yeah. Like, he is just a next level he's a big goofy dude um when you look at a lot of it like he raises like chickens and stuff like he's a homie um but he also like when he's on the field he's just so brutal like um there are a lot of pass rushers in the nfl that scare me um like if i got hit by him like jj watt terrifying khalil mack absolutely just please no aaron donald i couldn't even imagine von miller doesn't look like one of those guys honestly but he had in such an awesome career where he grew up in the league with demarcus ware lining up on the other side of him one of the league's premier pass rushers for a while then demarcus ware retires and then they grab uh bradley chubb and now he's doing he's basically the DeMarcus Ware to Bradley Chubb's Von Miller. So <laughs> yeah. um his his career, like his story arc, if you're just looking at it from a fan standpoint and just watching him, is really cool. Not to mention the fact that, you know, he's just been one of the most dominant pass rushers in the league while he's been playing. You know, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. All right. I'm kidding. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. I was like I was like I'm excited to see how he makes this argument. No, no, no. You can't make yeah, that. Yeah, I was I actually curious too. So He <laughs> is the active sack leader in the NFL right now. Yeah. He has a Super Bowl ring and MVP. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 106 sacks actually, which is just nutty. I don't know what the record for sacks in a single postseason is, but 5 is a lot. Mhm. Uh in just 3 games, that's a lot. That's what a lot of players would love to hit in a 16 game season. Um I mean, he's just so good. He also, it was a unanimous, there were not very many of these, unanimous 2010 all-decade team for the NFL. Mm-hmm. Wow. Eight Pro Bowls and the heart and soul of Denver's defense, pretty much the only piece that hasn't moved since 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, that defense, obviously, you know, but mostly Von Miller, carried Peyton Manning on his shoulders like a little kid mm-hmm. to a ring. Yeah. I mean, Manning was throwing ducks with a, you know, non-live firearm, and Miller just he he uh, destroyed the number one pick and in it was, the draft. In the we'll talk about later. It yeah. was just that defense, like coming up over and over and over, because the difference between Von Miller and a lot of other players, except for maybe J.J. Watt, is there are the players that end drives, and then there are the players that change the game because they're always out there. And I swear you would be hearing strip sack Miller more than any other defensive player in the league. Yeah. Because when you when you listen to his philosophy, he talks about it a lot. He's like, a lot of guys just want to get in there and hit the quarterback. Like, they're going for the midsection and stuff. I'm not. 
I'm watching the hand the entire time. The second that hand goes back, mine is swatting at it. Like, and that's that's what made him so special is he was creating turnovers over and over and over again because he understood how can I maximize what I can do. It's not by being fancy and trying to take this quarterback out because we hate quarterbacks. It's by t- getting a turnover on the ball and having one of my boys jump on it. And you can see that with his statistics that it's just he's been a force like that for the longest time. He's yeah. just so incredible. I mean, it still baffles my m- baffles my mind that he hasn't won a defensive player of the year yet i looked that up um he only has won a defensive rookie of the year in 2011 obviously Mm -hmm. super bowl mvp super bowl champ eight time all pro and eight pro bowls well the one year he really had the best chance of winning uh defensive player of the year was the year he had 18 and a half sacks his sophomore season in the league six forced fumbles a pick a touchdown but a couple passes defense. That was the year JJ Watt had twenty and a half. Ah, <laughs> yep. So he was, just got beat. It, do, it that really. I think if JJ Watt didn't exist or didn't have that good of a year, it would have been Miller, no question. Yeah. yeah. But he's yeah. To answer questions, I think he's definitely Hall of Famer. I, I think. I oh, no doubt at all. I, and that was that's a pick that they would make. The Broncos would make every, every single, single time. Every time. No matter what. Two. Yeah. All right, and so move us on to number one. <laughs> the number one pick of the 2011 NFL Draft was none only than quarterback Cam Newton, selected by the Carolina Panthers. So, the guy that Von Miller faced off against in Super Bowl 50, uh, the guy that he strip sacked him in, wasn't it? I want to, wasn't it like one of like the opening plays too that Von strip sacked? Like Cam, it, like, I think it was the first drive yeah, or first or second drive. I want to say it was like the first or second drive, like the very like one of the first plays. Like he just comes in and strips him, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, well, that that's a GG right there. <laughs> so <laughs> the Broncos Super Bowls always seem to be over before <laughs> before the game actually even starts. For better or worse. Yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, when you look at Cam, like, uh, just a, he had a pretty great career. <laughs> I think it's not over technically. It's not yeah. over. It's not over. He's still doing his thing. Um. You can look at him and say he's washed up and that it's over, but I I honestly think he's probably going to play a little bit better this year than he was last year because Bill Belichick's system is not one that you pick up in a month or two after being signed by the team because they couldn't snag anybody else, which is what he was dealing with last year. So I think he's going to have a lot more time to work on it. He's going to have a lot of time to play. Um and I think that he's probably going to kind of have a little bit of a renaissance. But when he was in his prime, it wasn't his throwing ability that really made him special. It wasn't um, anything too crazy. It was just the fact that, you know, he was a bus. He was a bus, and he ran like no other quarterback does. Like, you see Kyler Murray, you see Russell Wilson. Like, they're all getting down before contact. Um, but now Cam Newton just would truck through defenders because he could. Like, I think his most highlight play is probably where he jumps over the line. The defender still hits him, so he does a flip yeah, over the line. That. that was lands, his MVP year. That was his lands, MVP year. And, yep. yeah, and, uh, like, he got MVP. Um, that's about one of the best cases you can make. But I think he is going to be joining Pat Pete in Hall of Very Good um, just because of the way that he wrapped it up. Wasn't able to get his team a Super Bowl during the MVP year. Um, and I think that his play style was a little bit too untraditional for a lot of people in the league uh, when it comes to looking at stats and arguing why should this person be in the Hall of Fame. But how do you feel about that, JT? I mean, when he came into the league, he was pretty much the only one doing what he did. Yeah, There, there, weren't, <laughs> there weren't tight ends 
that had the heart of a running back that could throw in the league at the time. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple more now, but not very many. He mm-hmm. he kind of ushered in the you know quarterbacks don't have to be the dopey white guy standing in the pocket all the time. Yep. He made being quarterback almost I want to say cool again. That's not quite what I mean, but you kind of understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like he. I would agree with you there when you if you made a statement like that. I think he did make it cool again. So. Yeah, I, I, quarter I, he had swag. He still has swag. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen his outfits. I don't really like the font he uses on Instagram. It bothers me. But, <laughs> but I you, mean, and I, that hair. Let's not talk about it. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to talk about the babushka look he's got going on with the uh, with the towel or with whatever head wrap he's got going on yeah, that day. I, I don't know. But he is so he was so good in his prime. His passing numbers aren't incredible, you know, a lot of picks, but he would score. No matter what, he would find a way to score. He had 14 touchdowns his rookie year on the ground alone. Mm-hmm. He has 70 in his career. 7-0, rushing. Yeah, he's got picks. Yeah, he's also got passing touchdowns. He's got a you know, decent amount of yards. Yeah, he'll it'll take maybe a couple of years in New England. It, he started out kind of he started out kind of hot, got really bad and then kind of finished out decent. Eight yeah. to ten in terms of uh, inter- or touchdowns and receptions. He's a really good player when he's on and when he knows the system. And also Carolina, I think they'd still make that pick every single time, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Like even looking at even not looking at the rest of the quarterback class, if you want to even look at you know 2010 or 2012, I think they'd probably take him every single time because the system he was in, the system he helped kind of refine, mm-hmm. is what got them to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. almost won them a ring. And they don't have that season without him. Not at all. I would agree. He's absolutely been critical to him. But my question for you guys is, it sounds like we all are kind of like he's on the cusp of Hall of Fame, but like not really there. What would it take in New England, if if you think he has a chance, what would it take in New England for him to make it? Like that final like punch that he needs on his Hall of Fame punch card. To like be questionable, like later ballot or first ballot? Let's go later ballot. Later ballot? Because I think that I don't think he'll ever be first ballot. Mm-hmm. He would have to have like an unreal well, level of performance. The thing, the thing with Cam. Before I answer your question, I just wanted to say real quick. Um, you talked about um, how, or JT talked about how, like he made being a, like a quarterback like cool, but not you know something like that. When you look at like when Kyler, um, Russ, even Kaepernick back when they scram or Lamar when they scrambled, they do they they look like running backs when they're running. Like they're like agile. They're like you know making all like jukes. Like they're like shifty. Whereas Cam, you got a six five two twenty dude that would run into you. Like, he is yeah. coming to you. He is looking for contact. And I I don't know. I enjoyed Cam Newton's play playing. Like, I enjoyed watching him play for such, like, the longest time. I remember when Kelvin Benjamin was a rookie. Oh, my God, if you can remember that name. Um, <laughs> when he came in with Cam, um, whatever his rookie year, like, like, those two just made me, like, enjoy watching the Panthers play. And I thought those two were going to be, like, a dynamic duo for, like, the longest time. But... I think from what I need to see from Cam, to answer your question, Cajol, I, I need to see uh, I, maybe maybe a ring. Maybe if he can get a ring, I would say he could make the Hall of Fame. If he could lead – like, if he could have, like, one of those, like, Joe Flacco type of runs to the Super Bowl where, like, um, the defense, yes, is carrying him, but, like, he does something like that and, like, has a decent year, like, at quarterback. Like, he's still, like, doing stuff to, like – make sure that his team wins, even though he is getting carried by the defense, then, yeah, I would say he's in the Hall of Fame. As of right now, I, I don't think he makes it. Wouldn't that be ironic? He follows the Peyton Manning path and lose in the Super Bowl on your MVP year, but then get carried by the defense 
to to your to your ring like <laughs> i think that would be crazy but i i think he just has to have a couple playoff appearances one probably in the conference championships um i would assume that if he's performing in the playoffs and winning some games i think that's enough to like keep the positive memories of him in and then um when people are voting they'll be like oh yeah cam newton former mvp and quarterback who was perennially in the playoffs for a long time except for when he was getting injured like that was I think that's the biggest part for him and injuries really have derailed his career like he always seemed like he was the guy where like he got in a car crash I think and then played in uh or played against Seattle Mm -hmm. in the divisional and Mm -hmm. Seattle won I think that game but um, he still played, and he didn't he still look like he, he, he didn't, didn't look like a guy who had been in a car yeah, crash. He didn't look like a dude who got hit by a car. Like, man was man was crazy, and he always seemed like he was bouncing back from injuries. But I think that did take a toll on him a little bit later, uh, especially when he with his throwing shoulder and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, I think it will take him a little bit more effort to be able to do it. Um, probably a couple playoff appearances, but I think that it's possible that he makes it in a little bit later on. I kind of so. You know, as a Hall of Fame voter, people are looking at, you know, it, it should be hard to get in the Hall of Fame, first off. It should not be, you should not be able to waltz your way into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But, as a Hall of Fame voter, voter, you're looking for guys who you can't tell the story of the league without. Yeah. And I think the not just the way that he played and, you know, winning an MVP, that's obviously something that is worth talking about and getting, getting to a Super Bowl. But he changed the way teams he helped to change the way other quarterbacks came after and that helped and hurt uh, as well that a team looks at quarterbacks when they're drafting them do they do they only look for their superior intellect do they only look for their knowledge of a playbook or do they look for the athleticism do they look for the ability to just make plays no matter how it happens and now you're seeing guys like Kyler Murray who you know 10 years ago or uh, let's say 15 years ago wouldn't have gone you know in the top three rounds are, is, are going number one overall. He helped change that. Yeah. Yeah. What What does he need, though? I think he probably needs a Super Bowl appearance. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. At least an appearance. Maybe a ring. That would help his case a lot. But at least an appearance. Yeah. I would I say, you know, when he's healthy, he's play, he plays well. So probably at least five more seasons where he's playing at least 14 games and getting, an, you know, and not throwing too many interceptions. Yeah. Once he starts to even out, if he starts to kind of – get to a point where his interceptions, touchdowns are evening out, uh, even you know, just eschewing the rushing touchdowns altogether, it's not looking good. You don't have guys like Troy Aikman getting anymore. Mm-hmm. You need to have better um, throwing than to have e- uh, even on touchdowns and interceptions. But it's going to take probably five more years, playoffs three years, maybe a Super Bowl appearance or ring, uh, and then, of course, just overall consistency, not like we saw in New England last year. Hey, certainly not out of the out of the realm of possibility. Honestly. Not at all. But all right, well, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. But before we do that, if you want to text in, you can talk about uh, Cam Newton, Hall of Famer, or what's it gonna take for him to reach the Hall of Fame. Five zero nine nine six three twenty three eleven. It's five zero nine nine six three twenty three eleven. We'll be back in just a moment. We're gonna be talking a bit about uh, Cody. You wanna you wanna give him a rundown of what we're gonna be doing. Um, yeah, so coming up after the break, we're just going to be doing a little redraft of the 2011 draft, but with a little twist. So make sure you guys stay tuned because we'll do that in like two minutes. All right. We'll be back here with the bench warmers, as Cody said, in two minutes. Thank you for listening so far, and we will see y'all on the other side of the break here. Mm-hmm. 
This is the Bench Warmers with your host Cody Foxley and Cajun Lamb. Brought to you by 881 The Bird, your music central. Yo, 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 welcome back everyone to the Bench Warmers here on 881 The Bird, your music central. I'm still here with Cajun and JT. Say what's up, everyone. Hi, it's Cajun. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Hi, I'm JT. I, what, what is that? Yeah, you, they never know. Like sometimes you could get someone who's driving through Ellensburg for the first time. It's like, oh, I'm gonna throw on this this college station, and it's the first time they're hearing our voices. So, yeah, Cajal here, uh, no. and then the other right. voice. If this is your first time ever hearing this station, and you just happen to turn to the numbers eight, eight, and one, does that count as illegal yet? Um, yeah. I'm JT. I mean, uh, come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, we got it. We got it. See, that's care that's of. stale. That's stale. Hi, but, I'm JT. But, but see, I can't do like I can't go yo yo yo. I, I'm not yeah. Cody. I I don't. Hey, it doesn't work with me. But if you are that one person who hasn't heard our voices before listening for the first time, welcome. Glad to have you. Very, yeah, yo, very... yo, yo, what's going on? You know, my name is KOD. What is good? Anyways, we are getting completely off topic. Um, we, like I said uh, before the break, um, we are going to, t- you know, just draft an overall offensive team based on the 2011 draft. Like, just basically kind of how I look at it, like uh, an all-time 2011 offense, basically. So... I have a pool of the 2011 draft of all the offensive players, and we're just going to go in line of just, you know, what players we think are, like, the best at that position from that draft. So let's not waste any time. Let's just get into it at quarterback. I think it's a no-brainer. It's definitely Blaine Gabbard. (laughs) Really? We both went for two. Wait. I have an unpop. Wait, I have an unpopular opinion on this. Yeah, I we obviously know who we're gonna pick the quarterback. That's not the thing. But if we had a backup quarterback, we're not doing backups. But I'm talking about this. There's one backup on this list. He is the most important backup quarterback of all time because both times he's been a significant backup who's been a starter at the beginning of a season for a rookie quarterback. That rookie quarterback has gone on to have a record-breaking year. Tyrod Taylor. Oh, he <laughs> he's, came out of this draft? He has to be the best. Yeah, you put him on the list, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot all about that. Holy. What about what about Andy? Come on. Well, give us Andy. I'll here's the thing. Here's the thing. When, over Andy. when I'm talking about a backup quarterback, like you want a backup quarterback who is going to be someone who can mentor yeah. your guy. And looking at Tyrod Taylor's career okay. retrospective, <laughs> he was the starter in Cleveland mm-hmm. until he got hurt, and then Baker Mayfield – broke the rookie passing touchdown record. Plus, you got two mobile quarterbacks because we're definitely going with Cam Newton at the top. So, <laughs> yeah, Cam Newton at the top, and then uh, I'm good with Tyrod Taylor as a backup. I think we, I'd rather nice. have Colin. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to get outvoted 2-1, to one, so it doesn't yep, matter. Let's yep. just move on to the running back. <laughs> Your Tyrod. vote doesn't count. It's Tyrod. Yeah, let's just move back, move to the running back round, and I think the starting running back is DeMarco Murray. I mean, yeah. Like, how – is there an, ar- like I mean, is there an argument like, with that? I think like Mark. You, I, I thought you guys were going to argue Mark Ingram over him. So that's nah, I Mark like, Ingram's had a really great career as kind of more of a role player. Yeah, and longevity. Like, cool. I'm glad he's. I've, I'm glad he's been good. But like, Demarco Murray was that workhorse that you got a lot out of while he played, and that's why I think you have to go Demarco Murray. Yeah, we could go longevity, but we already have Cam Newton at quarterback, and so far it's not looking like longevity is our strong suit. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Demarco on that one. Yeah. All right, and then yeah, Demarco Murray. Do we want a backup running back? We can have Ingram as our backup. Well, yeah, I mean that's, backup, that's, that's no brainer. That's no brainer. But yeah, I mean that's pretty easy. And then wide receivers, I feel like pretty pretty straightforward. Julio, AJ, those guys are just 
monsters of a player. So yeah, I'd I'd love to see them on the same team. Like, well, now we got like Hopkins and Green on the same team, but they're it's definitely not Green in his prime. But like, not even you close. have a yeah. Julio AJ. Like, I I feel like even Cam Newton could find them open. Like, that's gonna be super duper easy for him. And I think that that would be pretty nasty, uh, unless you want to throw Jonathan Baldwin in there, <laughs> the Chiefs bust. But yeah. <laughs> other than that, like that's that's pretty dubs. Yeah, that, that's a pretty easy. Don't one. Don't really have any arguments for me <laughs> on that. This next one, I think, is probably going to be one that we debate for a second. I think so too. Is yeah. All right. So let's just get into it. So the next position we're going to talk about is tight ends. Now, off the top of my head, the tight end I want, I know. I don't know. I mean, actually, you guys might agree, but I want Julius Thomas at the tight end position. I kind of agree. I just It's hard to disagree with that. Because I know Kyle Rudolph is a guy from this draft that is pretty good. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think Julius Thomas, that just specifically that year that Peyton won his MVP um, um, year, he showed that he could – he could he could be a tight end that scores some touchdowns, be a red zone threat. Okay, you know? so he, actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna flip my vote real quick. To, to, to Kyle Julius? Rudolph. No, to Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, I was gonna do that. Rudolph, the touchdown reindeer, I think is probably gonna be the one I would go just because you get longevity. You get longevity. Julius Thomas in a couple years was like wow, okay, but he was also being thrown the ball from the greatest quarterback of all time and had nobody else on him. And then when he moved to the Jaguars, he was absolutely obsolete. So, like, you have Kyle Rudolph. He's been the guy for a minute, and, yeah, he's had other guys around him, but, like, it seems like he always makes one circus catch per year, Mm -hmm. which is something that the fans love to see. And then he's just reliable. He's just absolutely reliable. But why why would you switch your vote, JT? Well, I took a look. Well, first off, Julius Thomas, looking back at his career, you know, only 36 touchdowns and actually 2,200 receiving yards. In in how many years? He How was drafted years? in 11, so that's Oh, my ten. gosh. Well, it's, he hasn't been playing the full 10. Yeah. But still, it's not a lot. Yeah. I know it's a tight end, and, you know, a 500-yard season, 503 is like a decent season for a tight end. Yeah. But that's still not a lot of yards. And if we're building the best offense, you got to go with Rudolph. The guy's got almost 50 touchdowns, uh, and he was a he, is, he has actually gotten accolades before. He's been a top 100 player, an NFL top 100. He's had a couple of Pro Bowls. You know, nothing crazy, but he's definitely been a very – reliable guy for the Vikings and now will look to be that for the Giants yeah I don't know it's just more of like looking at like longevity versus looking at like excitement I guess I'm more excited to watch Julius Thomas play than I am Kyle Rudolph yeah so that's just my thinking I think I think you have to think is this a team that we're trying to win with now or is this a team like in their primes or is this a team that like we want to last for a long time? Because if we're drafting all youth that will last and like pick up a Super Bowl or two sometime, um, I think that it would probably be best to go with Rudolph. But we can go Thomas. All right, you know I'll settle in. I'll go Rudolph because all right, all right. my mindset going into this was like thinking of this like this is like an all-time 2011 offense. So yes, Rudolph had the better career than Thomas, so we can slide Rudolph in there. I just feel like. Thomas would be more exciting of a pick on the 2011, but, I mean, I don't want to disrespect Kyle Rudolph either. So, yeah, Kyle Rudolph is a good pick for tight end. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's so that's what yeah. we said there. No, that's good. Okay, I thought, all right. Easy. Then uh, we're going to move on to the most exciting positions 
hey, on an offense. Hey, some of us actually get excited about this, okay? Yes, I know, JT. <laughs> you do get excited about this. But let's get into the offensive line. You know what, JT? Let's kick it off then with you. Who, um, we're just going to start with tackles. So sure. We, two, two tackles. So name your two tackles. What are you? Who are your two tackles from 2011 draft class? Yeah, I mean, really, uh, uh, definitely Nate Solder. No, no. <laughs> Tyron Smith, Anthony Costanzo. Yeah. I don't think you can – I mean, Tyron Smith played right tackle his rookie year, mm-hmm. and then he's been, a sol- he's been the best left tackle in the game for the past nine years or ten years or however long it's been. And then Costanzo doesn't have nearly as many accolades, but out of this class he's probably the best uh, right tackle that's yeah. out there. And they're, and they're both – I'm going to say this about every single offensive lineman, but they're both mean. Yeah, and if you're gonna if we're gonna have Demarco Murray back there, we want somebody mean because Demarco Murray is the shifty guy. He's not gonna run over you necessarily. You want someone who's gonna knock everyone down, and then all the running back has to do is juke out the safety, and he's gone. Yeah, I mean I think that's a no brainer. Like especially Tyran. Tyran is definitely a no brainer. I and mean, when I'm when I'm looking at all the other tackles, yeah, I guess. Um, C- Carpenter, I think was the other one. And James like, Carpenter was fine. Yeah, he he's was a, a he's also one. a guard. Yeah. He's a guard. He was drafted as a tackle, but, he was but he's, a, he's a guard. Yeah. But I think that when we go guard, that Carpenter will definitely be in there, or in the mix. But, yeah, like when you when you look at just the careers that Tyron Smith and Anthony Costanzo had, <laughs> like you can't, you can't really say anything else. Um, so, honestly, just move on to guard. Yes. Like who do we have for guard? Seriously. All right. So we have two guards. Um, I mean, on it, so we got a lot of guards, right? Uh, my first guard that I definitely want on my team is probably going to be Mike Pouncey. Mm-hmm. Def for sure. Um, as of that, I'm going to be straight up probably Carpenter then. if I guess he can play guard mm-hmm. too because he was drafted as a tackle. Um, I don't know much about offensive line. I really like could I can't sit here and just tell you a bunch of you know facts about them. So I'll leave that to you guys. What do you guys think? What guards should we take from the 2011 draft? I definitely think Carpenter is worth looking at. Um, I am a big advocate of everyone on the offensive line being able to shuffle around. I like that. Uh, maybe not tackles, but interior at the very least. Mm-hmm. So if we're really going ideal, depending on who you take for center. You move uh, the second best center to guard because this guard class wasn't super strong. It was uh, pretty weak. Pouncey is fine, weak. although he's flipped to center a couple of times. Carpenter was, you know, very decent for the Seahawks. Helped them win their first Super Bowl. Um, I would say if we're if we're just drafting outright, Carpenter, Pouncey, as our guards. Uh, if we're moving people around, well, once we get to center, we can talk about that. But I do I do like Carpenter at guard a lot, and I do like. I don't like Pouncy very much, mm-hmm. but when you're looking at the rest of the class, Pouncy. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, th- I agree with you. Um, but like moving on to center, like I, there are two guys that like I don't know how we can just. I think I think not. honestly I think we should take out Carp and put in these two centers because I just feel like just these two guys right here deserve to be on the all-time like yeah. 2011 if it was a thing. Well, because you have you have Stephen Wisniewski who wasn't like that bad. Um, you have Rodney Hudson. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> Rodney Hudson, mm-hmm. and then you also have Jason Kelsey, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I Stud. think that I think that I would rather see. <laughs> I honestly don't know if Kelsey has the size to play guard. Um, I think he's too small of a dude. Granted, he's kind of too small to be center, but he still does it at an elite level anyway. Um, but I would rather have Kelsey at center, but and Hudson picking up a guard spot. But what do you guys think? I, I wouldn't say Kelsey's too small. He's not very heavy necessarily but he's a, like he's quick 
which puts him really well the interior. I think I'd actually like to see him at guard a lot. Um, then he doesn't have to go one-on-one with the biggest of the nose tackles okay. as center. I'd, I'd probably take Hudson there. Uh, and then he can use his, you know, he's 6'3", 295. He can use that frame to pull, to kick out when the tackle needs help on an outside rush. Uh, and as we've seen, he's a very good blocker. He yeah. will get it. If he gets his hands on you, you're probably not getting off that block. So, and, and also, all of these guys we're talking about, very, very intelligent. Offensive linemen are, you know, rightfully so, are, are rightfully so the smartest guys in the field. They have to know everything that the quarterback can't necessarily know. And they have to anticipate the kind of thing the quarterback can't necessarily anticipate. Mm-hmm. They're not really, it's not said enough, I don't think. They deserve a lot more credit. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I mean, I mean, for coming from a guy who doesn't know much about the offensive line, I wish, I mean, I probably will this coming season pay a lot more attention to it because there's so many things that, like, I feel like there's so much pressure on the offensive line that not a lot of people talk about. Like, people talk about, like, quarterback pressure and, like, pressure from, like, a receiver or mainly, mainly just quarterbacks. Like, oh, quarterback's under the lights. You know, he's having a tough time. But at the same time, I feel like as an offensive line, like, if you're not protecting like your quarterback, like you, you look at Russell Wilson for example, like not having a good offensive line, it's just like it's so demoralizing as a fan to watch your team just see your quarterback getting hit, hurried, mm-hmm. like someone coming in in two seconds, just over and over and over again. Preach! It's, it's so demoralizing <laughs> and it sucks. Like you're just like, God, I hate this offensive line. Like they get so much pressure that not a lot of people talk about. So mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. I think they deserve more love. <laughs> All right, so that means for our team, we have Cam Newton at quarterback, DeMarco Murray at running back. We have A.J. Green, Julio Jones at wide receiver. Not really any surprises there so far. And then instead of Julius Thomas, we went Kyle Rudolph. So that's kind of like the big first switch. But then uh, for tackles, Anthony Costanzo and Tyron Smith, just complete legends in their time. And then uh, we moved Kelsey to guard. We have Jason Kelsey sitting there at guard. And we also have Mike Pouncey. And then finally, to wrap things up, we have uh, good old Rodney Hudson playing center. Yes, sir. So, uh, question for you guys. I have a fun exercise we could do um, with quarterbacks this year, um, or we could talk about the defense for 2011. Your guys' call. Your show. Um, honestly, I think we should. What's what's your activity? You know, Kajo, you you know, okay. you, I never <coughs> hear you have ideas off that often. So let's just go <laughs> okay. into it, man. No, no, you Dude. know what? Whenever Cody doesn't have an idea that's a good one, his voice always goes higher. You ever notice that? <laughs> yeah, no, I did, I did. <laughs> so this is a uh, this is we'll we'll try this one out. So we have a very exciting situation with this year's draft class. I think that everyone uh, who is tuned into football knows that we have five interesting quarterback prospects that the NFL currently is looking into. Now, um, with quarterbacks, we always look uh, at the quarterbacks and we're like, oh, there's no way that these guys can miss, probably, except for this guy. If one of them's going to miss, it's going to be this one. And everyone always seems to have a different person. So I wanted to equate it to the best real-life situation we've had in recent memory. Um, So let's take a look at the 2018 NFL Draft. Where, coincidentally, we had five quarterbacks, all five were not missed prospects, and all five were drafted in the first round. Um, and take a look at them and kind of try to find who they, not equate to most play style-wise, but what kind of career we think they will have when we reach this point in a couple years. So, we're looking at the top five. We have Baker Mayfield, 
Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. All right. Um, I think when you look at those names, two of them are guaranteed stars. One of them's good. One of them you're like maybe still has a chance to be good in the future. And then one of them's a complete bust. Right. So um, let's start. We have off the top for this year, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Who, which one of those five guys do you think is the equivalent to Baker Mayfield? All right. Which one do you think is going to be like... Actually, no, let's start with the best one. Let's start with Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen and uh, Lamar Jackson are probably the two best from this class. Let's start with Josh Allen. Who do you think is going to be the Josh Allen equivalent this year? I think the Josh Allen equivalent is going to be Zach Wilson. Um, I don't okay. know. I feel like they have similar play styles. Um, they both have very, um, they're both Iron Man and they can launch that thing. Um, or maybe Mac Jones could be Josh Allen because he did overthrow like a bunch of receivers. So I don't know. Um, definitely Zach Wilson would be my pick to be the next Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen, when you look at him, is like the guy that everyone expects to let, or not everyone could be like, that could be the guy that busts, but also he has a ton of potential. Um, and I ironically feel the same way I felt about Josh Allen, where I love Josh Allen, as I do about Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is probably going to be Josh Allen. Um, And I think that he has the potential to be the best quarterback of these five, honestly, um, when we look at it. I think it's going to take him a minute to come on, but I think that he probably has the best potential. What about you, JT? I kind of think Mac Jones. Uh, Really? I like like the Mac Jones comparison because I think he has the – I do think he has a lot of potential when he has a good team. If Josh Allen had been taken by the Jets, mm-hmm. I think his career would have tanked already. Okay. He's definitely more – he was always going to be a project, and I think that's kind of how people are viewing Mac Jones. Trey Lance as well, but for different reasons. Uh, I think when it comes to pure quarterback play, where it's you know stand in the pocket and throw, there are things that need to be worked on, really fundamental things that need to be worked on. We saw Bill Belichick shaking his head at a couple of overthrows during Mac Jones's pro day. I think it's a pretty good comparison uh, if he goes to a team that's going to let him learn and make mistakes while also backing him up instead of, you know, letting the Sam Darnold thing happen. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the best one in this class. Okay. So the, um, now let's move on to Baker Mayfield. I think when you look at Baker Mayfield, one of the defining things is had the best rookie season seem like Cleveland didn't really miss, but then since then has kind of become the third best, I would say, in this class. Like he falls like right to the center. Who do you think would have the best chance of doing that? Hmm. Trevor Lawrence. I'm, yeah, I was really? going to say JT. Yeah, I'm, you think I'm, he's going to have agree. the best rookie year? Yep. I, okay. think I agree with JT. When it, com- when it comes to these number one overall picks, I actually, actually, I just realized that you know Baker was the number one overall pick too. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to number one picks, you're going for the guy who has the highest upside right away typically. Yes. You know Who's going to contribute immediately? In very few situations do you want your first overall pick to sit. You want them to play right away. Lawrence has always been seen as the guy who is the most pro ready since he was a senior in high school. And the guy never lost a game in high or lost like one game in high school, only lost two or three in college as a starter. I think he's going to have a really good rookie season. I don't know how well he's going to do after that. Uh we've seen guys fall off pretty easily after the rookie season when coaching changes happen. I mean, what do good quarterbacks do? They make their offensive coordinators look a lot better than they actually are mm-hmm. and Guys get jobs elsewhere. They get head coaching jobs. They get better coordinator jobs with better players. Trevor Lawrence is a guy who could make, who could maybe outplay his coordinating, and then 
kind of screw himself that way by getting rid of his coordinator almost. All right. And plus, <laughs> who knows how Urban Meyer is going to be? Yeah, that's in, that's interesting. Um, I, I mean, it, I think it's possible for uh, Lawrence, but. Um, when Baker was taken, it was seen not really as the can't miss prospect. That was more like Sam Darnold. But um, we'll we'll talk about that one in a sec. But who would you equate Baker to? I mean, I I agree with JT. I would say Trevor Lawrence because I feel like when Baker came in, he kind of had obviously he was number one, just like Trevor Lawrence is going to be. Um, he had that momentum like the thing like the momentum from college come with him like he had that thing where like he has to win now or like he's maybe like he doesn't have to but like he's like he's the most capable of winning now Mm -hmm. he's the most capable of turning your franchise around so i feel like with that pressure that came with baker people either gave up on baker after their first year after his second year and just or like you know still believe in him and i feel like trevor lawrence is kind of gonna go through the same thing um he i predict that he will have a better rookie year than baker um i just feel like I don't know. I feel like Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback, just a raw talent is more – he has a higher potential, in my opinion, than Baker. So, But I, I think so. I think Trevor Lawrence is a good pick to be someone like kind of like that Baker Mayfield quarterback dude. So, You know what? You guys swayed me because the one thing I was thinking about when it came to Baker Mayfield's career is like it really fell apart. His team fell apart around him uh, for a bit, uh, at least with coaching and stuff. Freddie and Kitchens. Think, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that – when you look at the Jets, who are probably taking Wilson, I don't think that Wilson sees that fall apart. So, um, and I was gonna put him kind of like because I think he's gonna be the swaggiest player. I think he's Wilson's gonna come out and have the best um, performance overall his rookie year. Um, but I thought he might fall apart. But uh, I think his team's gonna stay pretty consistent. So I'm gonna actually go against that. Um, and I agree with you guys, Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield. I could see them being similar. Now we look at Sam Darnold who is the can't-miss prospect um, that kind of gets stuck on a bad team. Where do you think – or what do you think happens there? Whoever the Niners pick. <laughs> mm, I, dis- <laughs> I disagree. Um, and I don't, I don't even think it should be necessarily who gets stuck on a bad team. I think it's some guy that we're still evaluating three years out. I, I disagree. Uh, no, I, I was I was kidding. I mean, whether whether you were kidding or not, I would still disagree. <laughs> I don't care. I don't have the mood to ponder troll from a Seahawks fan who his team is worse than ours this okay, year. Okay. Like, you are salty, <laughs> man. No more salt. No more salt. I don't, I don't need to ponder that. But anyways, um, I I think Justin Fields. I'm actually I'm gonna agree with JT. I think that if Justin Fields, because I'm not high on Justin Fields whatsoever. I think that's the Niners guy. That's who they're gonna pick. And um, I can very much see him like coming in like after like I feel I see a starting Garoppolo and then he comes in and plays poorly or whatever and then blah 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 we trade him for whatever. Um, I don't think he's gonna be anything special, Justin Fields. So I'm gonna put Justin Fields kind of like that prospect you can't miss of Sam Darnold because I feel like I don't know like you trade up to number three to get him, take him, just do it. Let him suck because I know he's going to suck. And then we'll just move on from there because <laughs> that's exactly what happened with Darnold on oh the Jets. Oh, boy. Like, so you have so much pessimism for a team that just went to the Super Bowl like a year ago. Yeah, with, with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, so we will do it with Justin Fields. But he's not our franchise quarterback. Like, that's the thing. Like, yep. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. I love the take. So you think, <laughs> you think that he'll go to another – or he'll 
just not be the franchise guy? I think he's going to have the same career as Darnold did. Like, he's going to come to a team okay. where he's going to, you know, like, have opportunities to shine, and he's going to do really poorly, and then we're going to give up on him when it's, quote-unquote, too early, as people would okay. say about Darnold. So. What were the biggest things that people loved about Darnold coming out of college? There, uh, were, two, there were two main things. I think one was, well, I mean, when it came to just his ability, like, he was the biggest can't miss. Like, prototypically, he was the guy he had the right amount of arm strength he had the perfect amount of accuracy mm-hmm. and he had really good decision making. arm strength accuracy decision making so fine three things three there were t- three things can't miss prospect going to you know a, a top five situation okay who has all of those plus the intangibles <laughs> who am i thinking of in this class uh zach wilson yeah it's zach wilson i think the jets are gonna jet <laughs> Jets are gonna do it again. The Jets. I wouldn't be shocked, but NFL teams seem kind of cursed to repeat the same mistakes because general managers, but more so owners, are really cocky. Mm-hmm. They're pretty sure that it's their, or it's always their way of the highway. But they're pretty sure that their way is the best way, no matter what the actual result is. You see this all the time. That's why bad teams typically stay pretty bad. Uh-huh. Look at the Browns. Look at the Lions. Look at well, the Jets recently. You know, they're not um, – the ownership isn't super strong. I think they're going to make the same kind of mistake and not look at the – I uh, caveat, I am not a quarterback evaluator. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the issues, quote-unquote, are with Zach Wilson. But I think – I bet that they're pretty similar to whatever issues came up when they were looking at Darnold. Yeah, well, from what I've heard is – um, when you look at the draft profiles and stuff, Sam Darnold is a better Zach Wilson, like more athletic Zach Wilson. But the problem is, is he broken? And I think that that was the biggest thing that they had to look into in right. their mind. Like you had Sam Darnold saying he was seeing ghosts. Like, dude, yep. Yep. you you traumatized this kid uh, as he was just trying to develop in the league. And I think they said, you know what? I think we really did just mess him up. And I think that that doesn't mean that Sam Darnold can't be great somewhere else or can't be good somewhere else, but um, I don't I I don't disagree with you because uh, the Jets just seem like a franchise from a franchise that uh, is always seeming like they're trying to fail. The Jets also seem like a franchise that is always going to try to fail, and I think that that's the biggest problem is you're bringing him in a little bit too early where you have kind of your left tackle situation solved. Um, you kind of have receivers around him. Like, you bring in Corey Davis, but what was Corey Davis really? You know, you have Jamison Crowder, but he's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, really, like, you're not giving him all the tools. So, I could see him, I could see them going Darnold again, you know, just a little bit less athletic, a little bit less talented, but a little bit more swagger, probably, because yeah. that's what Zach Wilson <clears throat> brings. But um, moving on to probably the guy that, like, everyone was, like, more so than Sam Darnold. This guy's a. Pro-ready passer, can't-miss prospect, and then he got replaced after a year by Kyler Murray. We have Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen, who would you think that he's most likely going to be? It doesn't necessarily have to be. um, You can boil it down literally to the most likely to be a bust in this year, but who do you think it's going to be? Okay, most likely to be a bust, Trey Lance. Really? I think Uh, so. I I think that uh, NDSU gets a bit of a cupcake schedule from time time to time. <laughs> yeah. And he's obviously bolstered by a very good team. But he's also also hasn't played in a year. Yeah. That's which a, that's a good doesn't help. I mean, look you look at Jamar Chase starting to drop just a little bit on draft boards because he didn't play this year. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he's also, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. He relies on his athleticism a lot. And I don't get me wrong. Quarterbacks who could use their athleticism. Awesome. If you can make, you know, chicken soup out of chicken, you know what? You're a really good quarterback. You're who I want on my team. Yeah. But, and I don't, I don't love this argument all the time, but I'm going to use it here. The level of competition at NDSU isn't necessarily, doesn't make you NFL ready. And I think he has, I, if he starts right away, he's going to bust. If he sits behind someone, if he goes to the Falcons or something like that, sits behind Matt Ryan for a year or two, takes the Patrick Mahomes route, he's got a much better chance. But I'm just gonna, you know, assume they're gonna start whoever or whoever picks him is gonna start him right away. That's not a good idea. That's gonna bust. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I I'm, I'm going Mac Jones, dude. I <laughs> fair. I, I I just feel <laughs> everything I've seen from Mac Jones because I have a friend who's really high on Mac Jones and he wants the Falcons to take him at four. Like, he wants him as their franchise quarterback. And we talk all the time, like, about, like, I, I, I just don't see it. Like, everything I've seen in Mac Jones, like, from his pro day or if I watched a game in college, um, I just don't see anything special out of him. It's kind of the same thing as Justin Fields. I'm not going to pick Fields because I don't want him to bust, but I think he will. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to go Mac. Mac Jones, for sure. He, he's going to be the bust of this quarterback draft class. Yeah, um, un- as unfortunate as it is, I think Mac Jones is the easy one to point at and say, you know, this guy's not going to be successful only because you point to the narratives of, like, he's a Bama quarterback, you know, what can he get away? He got best quarterback in college football, but how far does that really take him? You know, uh, he especially also played with the Heisman winner. Yeah, he also played with the Heisman winner and mm-hmm. uh, couldn't win the Heisman over his own receiver. He so had, He also had Najee on his team. Yeah, like so. he, that offense was built to succeed, and I think that he was probably, like, the, the biggest beneficiary from it. So um, I'm going to have to go Mac Jones on this one. Now to wrap it up, we have probably, I would say, the most decorated um, of the rookies from this year or of the quarterbacks from this year, and that's Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar Jackson, I don't really know what to make of him. Like, uh, shows stints of greatness, but is probably just – would you say he's the best quarterback as of right now from this class? No. Or second best, maybe? Second best. I would say he's the second he best. Go, he bounces between one and two, I think. Yeah, yeah okay. I would agree. So who's the other guy that's going to be bouncing between one and two? <sighs> All righty. So, I mean, I only have one quarterback left, but I actually think it's going to be true, and that's Trey Lance. All right? So okay. I think Trey Lance is going – Ironically, also might be the last quarterback taken from this group. That's Very what I'm true. Saying. I think he'll be the last quarterback taken from this group, and I hope that whatever team picks him will sit him for his first year because I agree with JT if he sits his first year I think he could be a very solid quarterback will he I think that he will honestly be between one and two I could see him playing like Lamar I mean I don't I watched a little bit of his um pro day um I didn't watch him in college at all but at the same time like I feel like he will be the last quarterback taken and I think he's gonna have something to work towards Trey Lance because not a lot of people are believing in him they're saying he has a lot of potential yeah yeah yada 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 but like no one's like Yes, Trey Lance is this team's franchise court. Like no one, no one's doing that. They're just, you know, he's, yeah, it's Trey Lance. He's, you know, so yeah, that's my pick, Trey. Trey Lance. Sorry. So the only one I have left is uh, Justin Fields, and that lines up pretty well, I think. Yeah. He is. If you watched the title game this season, or I'm sorry, the semifinal game against Clemson, who has you know the presumed number one overall pick, he kind of torched him. He threw six touchdowns. Yeah. And he also he showed a lot of toughness, showed a lot of grit. He got hit in the midsection. He, you know, came out for a second and went back in and still finished that game. And he, 
was really, really good. I don't like Ohio State, <laughs> but I like Justin Fields. I think he's really good, and he's accurate. That's something that's yeah. really, I think, understated for rookies. You can have a big arm, and that's great, but if you're not accurate, you're not going to be good. In his two seasons at Ohio State, 67 and 70% completion. Throwing for 41 touchdowns in the 14-game season uh, during his sophomore year. Yeah. He's ridiculous and three picks. Yeah. And I think I think he's probably the guy that's getting, like, who had a lot of stuff happen in college. Like, you look at Lamar Jackson, like, popping off in college, and then all of a sudden he's dropping a bit further than everyone expected him to. I think he might be that guy this year. And he's just so athletic. He's so, like, just raw talent that mm-hmm. you you have to wonder, like, what why aren't te- why are teams putting Mac Jones ahead of him? You know, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I'm I'm really actually happy that uh, Fields ended up being my last guy here because it just works. So you had Fields as your last one too. Yeah, nice. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> we're, we're on the same page with that one. All right, well, uh, that was a fun little exercise. <laughs> I, I liked fun that. With that. That was um, good. Because you can't expect all the quarterbacks to always work out. I know at the time it seems like all of them are gonna, but you know, no, you're they're gonna. Not. Let's be you're real. probably mm-hmm. like you look at realistic samples like 2018. You're probably gonna have a couple in there that don't meet potential or just out of the league so um awesome that uh, that's been this edition of the bench warmers we gotta get to the point where we're playing our legal and stuff so we'll do that right after this but uh next week we're going to be talking a lot of draft stuff um so that'll be a lot of fun because the nfl draft is right around the corner thank you jt for coming in and joining us thanks for having me on guys thank you no problem all right um This has been the Bench Warmers here on 88 Wonderberg. If you want to catch us again, you can do so next Sunday. It's going to be me and Cody and a couple other guests. So uh, talking a lot of draft stuff. Have a fun time and have a good weekend, everyone. Peace out.